At some point, we do need to do the Rodgers. In the Rodgers? Uh, okay. Wait, when did we talk about that? That was episode zero. We got to drop episode oh, zero. Episode zero. zero. Mm-hmm. No, why, why are we not dropping episode zero? Because the quality is so poor. We don't have to drop the video. But that's the audio. Zero. The audio was poor. But that's why it's zero. Remember, it's coming straight out of the camera. Like, straight out of, like... But that's why it's zero. Welcome to the First and Fifteen, the only podcast that's trying to get you paid. I'm here with two-time FFPC Football Guys champion, AB, from 2019 and 2020. I'm also here with Dio the Machine, our dynasty guru. I want to start off by talking about the biggest news of the week. This was very contentious with our podcast because somebody didn't want to talk about it because they felt like it was beat. Beat like a dead horse, but yeah. I think we can't go forward without talking about the Julio trade to Tennessee. Do you think that this affects AJ Brown, and how do you guys see this affecting the other Tennessee Titan players? Yeah, uh, it was him that didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we totally get it. Uh, it makes sense. This is something that has been, you know, is really taking the lead as far as uh, fantasy news and NFL news throughout the uh, throughout the week. And for us, especially in our earlier podcast, we talked about the idea of Julio being traded and specifically what that meant for the Atlanta Falcons players, as well as what it might mean for teams he was traded to. We wanted y'all to get ahead of the curve on that right Exactly, exactly. So ideally what we're able to do on this podcast is try and stay one to two steps ahead. Correct. So that our ADPs and our rankings on certain players really aren't shifting uh, as news that has you know, maybe been rumored or a strong rumor comes out when it actually drops, we're ready to go. So that being said, one of those buy the rumor, sell the, the news. Type exactly. Things. Exactly. <laughs> and so it's, it's not so much really the Julio trade that I wanted to discuss. Me and Dale have gone back and forth with regard to AJ Brown. And it's not that I think that we are very different. I think his ceiling and his range of outcomes are where we differ. For me, even before the Julio trade, I was finding it very difficult to put him in that category of he could be the overall wide receiver one. I felt like where he was being drafted was reasonable to some degree, but I would have much rather have gotten him in the later second rounds and into the third. Let's fast forward now to the Julio trade. Right now, I personally feel like we have to drop A.J. Brown at the very least, towards the back end of that wide receiver tier. I just don't see how you can add someone the caliber, or add someone like Julio, that type of player, bring him in, and have that not impact the other wide receivers on that roster. For me, Julio is going to come in, and him being Julio, being as physically gifted as he is, Yes, he's older, but you could argue that he was still playing at his prime level when he was in Atlanta, at least when healthy. Mm-hmm. So to bring a player like that into the Titans, or onto the Titans, and not to expect for him to take away some of the volume for, from A.J. Brown, I just think you know, is, unre- is an unreasonable thought. Already we were looking at an offense that is primarily run-focused with Derrick Henry. They want to start 
their offense off with the run and then working the play action pass. Correct. So it's already a you know a lower volume pass offense to begin to begin with. And mm-hmm. I understand they've had some changes on defense, so their defense may not be as good. Uh, maybe they're in a, you know a little bit more of some negative game scripts. But unless they were at least last year, unless they were you know two three TDs down, they were still running the ball. So for me, for someone to have the upside of true wide receiver one, even pre Julio trade. I need to see target volumes in the 140s to 150s range with, you know, a potential end-of-year reception total of around 100. And I just didn't see that with A.J. Brown. So, long story short, now that Julio is with the Titans, for me personally, I likely won't be getting A.J. Brown. I wasn't getting him before, but unless he's somewhere in the mid-third round, and, you know, let's use FFPC format as, as as an example of that, I likely won't be getting a lot of Julio. I have a lot of wide, sorry, AJ Brown. I I have a lot of players, a lot of wide receivers that I would rather draft ahead of him. I understand that he's a great talent. I understand that yards after the catch, explosive, you know, the fact that he just dominates the opposing cornerbacks. I understand all of that. Right. But to expect him to be even more efficient than he was. And to expect him to get even more volume than he already has, we removed Corey Davis and we added Julio Jones. I just don't see it. See, but here's the thing. Dayo, you factored in this trade from the beginning. You saw this coming weeks ago. Right, right, right. And I was still on A.J. Brown regardless, right? Right. So, so yes. So, again, just to kind of go back, I did not want to have this discussion for a multitude (laughs) of reasons, you know. This trade happened, to, right now it's Wednesday evening, this trade happened on Sunday, and I feel like everybody that's been in the fantasy world has beat this trade to death. We spent two days arguing yes, 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 about yes, yes, whether yes, or not we, we were going to talk to Julio trade. So, so we're going to have the discussion a little bit, but um, so a few things that you said that I kind of take, take uh, that I need to address. First off, okay, so we're talking about adding Julio Jones and you know, how it's going to affect A.J. Brown. So, real quick, let's talk about A.J. Brown for a second. Last year, A.J. Brown played 14 games, I believe. Um, he was hurt for two of the games. Um, he had a knee injury in week one or week two. Um, and actually, come to find out after the season, that knee injury that he, that he had actually was supposed to be a season-ending knee injury. So, it was severe enough to where they actually said he wasn't going to play for the rest of the season. He actually ended up coming back. Um, so he played the season after that, was very, very productive. Um, but a few specific things with the season regarding A.J. Brown that I don't think you realize. Um, number one, yes, he was the, well, somebody would consider the, the top receiver on the team. But target-wise, he actually was outproduced by quite a bit by Corey Davis. I want to say Corey Davis maybe had over 30, maybe anywhere between 20 and 30 targets more than A.J. Brown. So he was already getting the second amount of targets on the team. But he also played less games. Yes, play less games. Play less games. Um, looking at Julio, Julio last year, okay, so let me go back. Corey Davis, I think, had about 90-something targets. Julio had about 60-something targets. Um, Julio was playing with a receiver on his own team that was actually pretty good, who actually ended up having 130-something targets, Calvin Ridley who put up great numbers with Julio Jones on the team. But Julio was out for quite right, a bit Right, right, right. He was out, but, but Calvin really was also out, out for some games as well. Because um, Calvin really was dealing with a, I want to say, a foot or lower body injury. 
Uh, and he was still producing. Great. Um, so with AJ Brown, yeah, we're going to add Julio Jones. But again, if you take, if you basically give the targets Corey Davis had and give it to Julio Jones, not to mention AJ Brown played two less games, I would still expect him to produce, if not the same, much better. Because he wasn't even getting a lot of catches. The thing with A.J. Brown last year that gave him a lot of points was the fact that he was scoring a whole bunch of touchdowns. He was very efficient with the catches he was getting. Um, this is going to be his third year, so he's more experienced in the league. Um, he's a dominant force. You know, Literally, if you watch the games he played last year, nobody could really stop him. Um, and then, you know, adding Julio Jones in some aspect actually, for me, makes him an even better option because now all that attention that everybody was going to give to the Titans. And the Titans actually spoke on it. They actually said, we're trying to figure out a way to get A.J. Brown the ball, knowing that everybody's gonna, every defense is going to put their attention on him. Now that you got Julio on the other side of the field, how are they going to double-team or bracket A.J. Brown? They can't. 100%, I 100% understand that. And so if we're comparing A.J. Brown, AJ Brown now to where we had projected him at the beginning of the offseason – not last year, but at the beginning of the offseason, I understand how you can make the argument that the Julio signing helps out his projections. And I right. know we don't like projections on this podcast, at least you don't. Right. Later, Pod, we'll get into that. But if we're comparing A.J. Brown currently, post-Julio trade, yeah. to A.J. Brown last year, I don't think that you can use that bracket argument. I don't think that you can use that argument. So, number one... No, Corey no, no, but, Davis but does la- not equate to Julio Jones. They're but, but, not the same player. But when I say the bracket, the bracketing last year, nobody was bracketing AJ Brown like that. Exactly. So, he pre- so but 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 this year, they actually were probably going to plan okay. on double teaming and bracketing him before the Julio trade. But what I'm saying is, if you're if we're comparing our if you're if you're comparing your current projections of AJ Brown, or at least where you think he's going to produce, we cannot say, oh, he's going to get so much better than last year because now Julio will take away that bracket coverage. When in essence, he wasn't getting bracket coverage last year. Right. So that's what I'm trying to say. Last year, he produced as well as he produced without the bracket coverage. This year, he was likely going to have that bracket coverage. Now you add Julio into the fold, that bracket coverage is no longer an issue for him. Okay, so he's basically the same. No, no, no. He's not the same because, again... (laughs) He was injured last year in week one. He had a knee injury that he wasn't supposed to play with the whole season. He missed two games. And again, you would expect in his third season, he's now gotten better than he was in the past season. Young receivers that are dominant end up improving year after year. He was historically efficient. Historically efficient. I don't want to say historically, but he was good. He didn't have a lot of catches either. He probably had maybe about... Four it's because to it's six not a high-pass volume offense. Okay, so, so, yeah, so, we're okay. talking about PPR. So let's speak on the type of offense. Yeah, we can say it was a run offense and all of that jazz, but one thing we, we keep forgetting is they've now changed their offensive coordinator. Yes. They correct. don't have the same person calling the plays on offense that they did last year. We can't definitively say this team is going to do X, Y, and Z. We can assume because they have such a dominant running back in the backfield – but in reality, we really don't know. And the offensive coordinator that they're now going to take over is actually the, the, the former tight ends coach. Okay, let, let's talk about personnel real quick. For the most part, offensive line is the same, if not a little bit more healthier. They lost Corey Davis. They lost Jonu Smith. Corey Davis, who had about 90-something targets last year. Still lost him. Right, okay? they lost him. They lost him. Replaced him with Julio Jones, who we, had maybe about 60-something targets. Okay, we can't say he had 60-something targets. You got to give me targets per game. You cannot give me overall targets. He was... 
Not healthy I'm last year. I'm just saying, though, he had 60-something okay, targets. Okay, but we, can't, we can anticipate that if he's healthy, he's going to have a lot more than 60 targets. Maybe. I'm just saying what he actually had. Okay. I'm, I'm just speaking absolutes. Okay. okay. Last year, he had 60-something targets. By targets per game. I don't, I don't, okay, I don't okay, remember. Okay. I don't have that memory. Yeah, we, we, if we forecast a 16, 17-game season of his targets per game, it's going to be more okay, than... Okay, so, so you saying that, Do you? when was the last time Julio Jones played a 16- or 17-game season? A lot of players don't play 16, 17-game Right. Season. Julio Jones fact, is 30... Majority, I, I'd probably estimate the majority of don't play. But we keep saying that he's, that he's injury-prone, and he may be to some degree, but he's had... A few seasons where he's played a significant amount of games. Agree. 14 to Agree. So, but my question is, when was the last time he played a full season? It's been a while, number one. When was the last time A.J. Brown played a full season? It's going to be his third season. He's probably got a chronic degenerative this knee disorder. He is, may get hurt again. This is going to be A.J. Brown's third season. Okay, so he hasn't even made it to his third season yet. And he's he already the had, full season's rookie He's already year. had surgery. He played his rookie, his rookie year. And then broke down his second season. year. But he's only had two seasons. <laughs> like, 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 there's no trend there. He's only okay. had two seasons. But One I, season he played the full getting, season, and another season he but, got hurt. Okay. And he came back with that injury and still had a great season. Okay. Now the injury's behind him. You're bringing a Julio Jones player that's now older who, from what I was reading, he wasn't even practicing much last year with the Falcons. So he was injury-prone, older, and not even practicing much, which is kind of part of the reason why the, the team yeah. soured on him. You added him that with the A.J. Brown that's going to his third season, who some, again, would assume, if you look at the projection of, of up-and-coming receivers, usually their third season, they really start to take off. It's this, depending this, on the receiving situation now. Yeah. And you would yeah. agree with that. And, and, and again, we don't know what kind of offense they're about to have this season. We can assume. So, again, that, so that gets me to my, to, to my point. A lot of their personnel has not really changed. They upgraded at wide receiver. They lost a valuable tight end. This team wants to run the ball. Their head coach wants to run the ball. That is just their persona. Their head coach is a defensive guy. He is, and, and what do defensive coaches want to but, do? But, what, but my, what I'm saying is their head, their head coach is a defensive guy. He's not going to be the one to determine and, what type and of this is the, And this running. is the biggest tell right here. As much as we love Tannehill and we'll get into quarterbacks, he is not the type of quarterback that you have dropped back 30 to 40 times a game and expect if, him to win. That He's not, he's not that type of quarterback. He thrives, he thrives, and look at the statistics, Again, he thrives on play action I yes. think I think you're making a lot of assumptions there. Again, their offensive coordinator ever since they got Tannehill was Arthur Smith, who is no longer on that team. We now have a different offensive coordinator. An we incumbent. Don't know. He was the tight end coach. He but, was. He's an incumbent. He's right. Been, he's been. He's familiar with that but, offense. But what I'm saying is, we don't know what type of style he wants to bring to the Titans' offense. We can assume for what we've seen. In I'll the make past, that assumption. But we can't definitively <laughs> say. This new coach or offensive coordinator is going to do this specific type of thing when he now, number one, has more receivers, better receivers. Because, yeah, they lost Corey Davis, but they gained Julio, they, they, they gained Josh Reynolds, and they gained a rookie that they actually traded up for. So it actually kind of shows they want to pass the ball a little bit more. Mm, I think they were just trying to fill, fill a void. Again. That's you making an assumption. I'm not trying to make an assumption. I'm just literally telling you what's happened. Okay. They, they so lost uh, one receiver, and they added three receivers. They lost Jonu Smith, which was a great blocking tight end. He received well as well, but he was a great blocking tight end. They replaced him with, with Ferkshire, who is a better passing tight end, not as good of a blocker. And again, they're, they're bringing in an offensive coordinator who was the tight end coach, who we don't know what he's trying to do. He might say, you know what, I want to open my offense back I, up. I highly doubt that. I, I, I understand that he may change it up. Maybe he opens it up a little right. more, but I think we can all agree or... Make a. I don't want to make assumptions. That's, I will that's make the, the problem. They're likely going to be a run-based offense. Maybe, 
Maybe. I mean, they're going to run. Yes, they have a great running back, but we can't definitely say they're just going to be a running offense. They might say they want to kind of make an even offense. They want to I'll run bet, 50. I'll put a bet on it. Come on now. Okay, well then, let's, let's move on then. <laughs> <laughs> in Dio's defense, though, we didn't see Beasley's numbers decline when Stephon Diggs came. We also didn't see Mike Evans' numbers decline That's actually what I was when to, Antonio Brown came point. as well. If you look at, so, if you actually look I, I at don't the, think that they're going to decline. I'm just My whole thing is I'm not – okay, look, I am not – Anti-AJ Brown Because literally The entire fantasy community You kind of are Anti-AJ Brown The entire fantasy ahead. community Like if, if you said Who's the breakout Wide receiver The answer was AJ Brown My issue is People are drafting him With the assumption That he is likely That new breakout Wide receiver one And for me I need to see Significant amounts of volume Can he perform As a wide receiver One in general You know From one to twelve Of course And I think he'll Likely finish there But I think it's Towards the back end So why do I want to Waste an early second round pick, but on, you say you need that. to see an increase in volume. We're we're in draft season now. You're not going to see that increase until the season actually starts. Okay. And by that time, we've already done. I need our to draft. be able to make that assumption, and based off of what the Tennessee Titans have shown me, but I'm again, assuming they're, they're, they're going to be a run based but, offense. But there's so many changes. There, there's there's so, not like, that many changes. Th- there literally is. They they literally we didn't, didn't want we didn't even want to talk straight. We about 30, <laughs> about 30 45 minutes in. We didn't want to, I mean, <laughs> literally, they, they've made a bunch of changes, and, and you're you're trying to ignore them. But in reality. These I'm not can ignoring be significant. them. I literally just they, told you they, that Julio, I anticipate, is going to is going to attract a higher target share and more targets than Corey Davis because he's just a better talent. But Corey, he's a better route runner. But 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 Corey Davis actually did have a higher target share last year. So you saying he's going to get an even higher one? It, it's really kind of like there's not going to be much difference there. Corey Davis had a higher target share last year than what A.J. Brown had. Likely due to injuries, though. That's likely due to injuries. No, I think A.J. Brown had more than 20 targets less than Corey Davis, and he only missed two games. So you're basically saying that's an average of over 10 targets a game, which A.J. Brown wasn't even getting double-digit targets last year. So even if he played those two games, he might still not have gotten the same amount of targets as Corey Davis. Well, we'll let's move on for we'll a second, we'll and we'll let's talk about this Good trade. Good thing is that it's on tape. What's on tape? <laughs> this discussion. <laughs> let's move on for a second. Let's talk about how this trade affects Ryan Tannehill. That's also moving to the direction of quarterbacks and you guys and, and how you address drafting quarterbacks when you draft quarterbacks. Dio, how do you see this trade uh, affecting Ryan Tannehill? I, can, I think I kind of alluded to it a little bit. I, I really feel like this team kind of focused on trying to add more weapons for Ryan Tannehill this year. Again, they signed who many people might ignore, but they signed a receiver from the Rams, Josh Reynolds, who they felt like was going to help them out this season. And if you really take Josh Reynolds and Corey Davis, I don't think they're much different. I, I wouldn't say Corey Davis is that much better. They drafted a receiver who they actually traded up for. And for me, when a team trades up for any type of player, that means they, they value that player, you know, quite a bit. Um, they traded up for a receiver. Uh, Dre Fitzpatrick, I believe his name is. Uh, and then on top of all of that, they now brought in Julio. So he now has three new receivers on the team compared to what he had last year. And everybody knows Corey Davis was, to some extent, a disappointment. Not to mention, and, and I, I, I keep preaching this, A.J. Brown going into his third year, most would, would consider that a season that he's actually going to be near the pinnacle of his game. He's now had two seasons to kind of get used to playing the, the NFL system. 
remember last year he played majority of the season with a knee injury that the doctors told him he was supposed to basically sit the rest of the season out. So now he's healthier. Um, Ryan Tannehill is getting a new offensive coordinator. Now, the reason why I keep bringing that up is because Arthur Smith, somebody, some people could possibly say that Arthur Smith was very heavy running, mm -hmm. you know, probably to the extreme as far as running the ball. Now that you bring in a new offense coordinator, I don't know if, if I truly think he's going to be that same level of running the ball. I think he's going to get closer to the mean. And if he gets closer to the mean, that means the passing volume to some extent is going to increase. It's going to basically average out. And you know, who's to say? He might say, you know what? I want to air it out. We Not don't know. Happen. You know, I, I don't like to basically go into things with the assumption that this is what I know is going to happen. Like I said, I think two episodes ago, I like to take all options and put them all on the table. Yeah, um, but you have to lean one way or the other. No, no, no. I don't have to lean anyway. What, what I do is I literally take all the options. Again, they added three receivers, like I said. Okay. They, they're basically telling me, look, they want to pass the ball more. So if they want to pass the ball more, or if they want to at least give Ten Hill better options than what they had last year, then it gives them more opportunity to pass the ball compared to what they had in the past. So, so where is Hill ranking on your list of quarterbacks? Okay. Are you in? Are you moving him up your your I board? Have, I have Tannehill. I mean, we can kind of get into where our rankings are, but I have Tannehill not too far from Russell Wilson. Oh honestly. wow! Maybe maybe right below Russell Wilson because after after that you're getting into the the Jalen Hurts, you know the the Brady's, um, you know other quarterbacks who you know, and, and let me not forget to mention Ryan Tannehill can run the ball. So he has a semi-Konami code factor to him, uh, which some of those other quarterbacks don't. I've heard so, y'all say that statement before. What is that Konami code? Uh, I mean, you want to speak on it? You can speak uh, on it. Konami code. I mean, that's, that's a drafter's dream. That's a quarterback <laughs> that can pass and run. And so really, that rushing upside is almost like you're drafting a QB1 and in some cases an RB2. And in some cases, like the 2019 Lamar season, and RB1 and QB1. So if you can get that type of quarterback that can really put up those type of numbers, they, they significantly allow you to, to really separate yourself from the rest of the field. I'm in agreement with you. I love Tannehill. And I've, you know me. I've always been a Tannehill supporter. Last year, he was someone that I targeted very late in drafts. He was free. Uh, I think a lot of people didn't buy into his previous season, how he finished the year. They felt like the efficiency was going to taper off. And that he was going to regress a bit. Uh, but I was a big believer in Arthur Smith. And that's something that, you know, we talked about, okay, this OC may come in and may want to throw more. But he also may come in and just not be as good an OC or not be as good a play caller as Arthur Smith was. Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith put his players in very, in very advantageous situations to succeed. So, but getting back to Tannehill... I have him right below Russell Wilson. And when so I say the same place, same place. place. And when I say right below Russell Wilson, I'm, you know, almost to and I love Russell Wilson this year and we'll get into that. But almost to the point, depending on the type of build when I'm drafting, if I feel like okay, I really need to get a tight end here or I have a tight end that I like and I see Russell Wilson on the board, you know, in the 8th round, I'm likely to pass on Russell Wilson with the thought that in the next round I I want to get someone like a Tannehill. I really think based off of his level of play, which you talked about, the weapons that he's added, what I believe is a suspect defense. Right, right. Okay, and they've made some changes, but I still think it's a suspect defense. Right. 
and the strength of schedule. Actually, that's what I was going to speak. His strength of schedule. I just I love his strength of schedule, especially again going towards the you know the high stakes formats where those last three weeks of the season, or uh, excluding week eighteen, those are the money weeks where you really are fighting for that six digit prize. So for me, when I look at a player like Tannehill and the his eighty his current ADP, and I'm, and we know that it'll likely rise. For me, that that's a player that. You go into a draft wanting to target in a sense that I'm going to create a bill where I wait on QB mm-hmm. and then I'm going to reach about a round, maybe two rounds ahead just to ensure that I get him. And right. you always have a backup plan, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge Tannehill fan. Right. But, but, but one thing I do want to mention about the Titans as a whole, and um, I, don't, I don't know if a lot of people really realize this regarding um, NFL schedules or how, how they're, they're created. Um, but last year, because the Titans finished first in their division, um, what happens is the next season they end up playing um, other teams that also finished first in their division, uh, which means this season, compared to last season, they're going to play, um, to some extent, better teams, you know, more talented. So, so you know, People look at that certain ways. The way I kind of look at that as if they're playing teams that are, that are better, that means they're playing teams that possibly can put up more points. Uh, if they're playing teams that can put up more points, that means them themselves are going to have to try to put up more points, um, especially if they're actually losing those games. Hmm. They're, they're going to end up being – we actually talked about this, I think, last episode. They're going to end up trying to either come back, stay, stay with the team that they're competing with, um, or garbage time, yeah. which all benefits Ryan Tannehill, exactly. regardless of which way you, you slice it. Exactly. You, know? you want Tannehill in competitive game scripts. Right. If they're, if they're winning these games or dominating, what are they going to do? They're just going to give it to Henry they all game Henry. long. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so, so I think that's one thing people don't really take into consideration that I think can be a slight edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we were talking about this, I think, two days ago. Ryan Tannehill is going way too late. Even before the Julio news, yeah. we, we, he was going, hmm. I want to say like 16th, 17th round. I even think I saw a draft where he was not even drafted. One mm. draft, me personally, I got him in the last round. And, and that's kind of ridiculous because, again. That's disrespectful. That's it it is disrespectful. I, I was actually kind of upset. <laughs> I, I was kind of upset because I'm like, yeah. do, do people not realize, number one, the, the t- he had a, I think it was 14th fantasy points within quarterbacks last year, which is on the edge of quarterback one. Yeah. Um he got better weapons, you know, especially now, um, and he runs. The, the thing about running for a quarterback is you play like an FFPC, for instance. I think passing touchdowns are four points a, a touchdown. So. so, so when you when you compare a passing touchdown to a rushing touchdown, which is six points, um, the yardage, rushing yardage, a point one point per yard, compared to I think passing it for every. 25 yards is a point or something like that. Like, if you have a quarterback that's going to run a lot, it literally gives him such an immense edge compared to just a pocket passer. Mm-hmm. And that's what Ryan Tenhill gives you. So him going so late was just – it just made no sense to me. So, so let's stay on this topic for a second and talk about your individual approaches to drafting quarterbacks. I drafted not too long ago, and I saw Patrick Mahomes go in the fourth round. I remember drafting last year and Lamar Jackson was going in the second round. Right. It seems like quarterbacks are going later this year than I've seen in a while. There's been an adjustment yeah. for sure. Tell us about your approaches to drafting okay. quarterbacks. So one thing, every year is different, and you really have to take that into account. And sometimes it takes a few drafts to sort of kind of 
get an understanding of where certain players are going or where certain positions are being drafted. So that's one thing. The second thing is that last year, a lot of the quarterbacks that we were taking early disappointed, you know, based off of where they were going. Lamar, yes, even Mahomes himself. Mahomes disappointed. Yes, he did. He did. So a number of these quarterbacks that we were reaching for disappointed. Even Dak, who was on a record to set historic highs. I don't mean, forget, NFL highs. Don't forget Watson. Yeah. Watson. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're Texas yeah. fans. We were grabbing Watson everywhere yeah, that we was could. Our guy last year. Yeah. Um, even though he finished the yeah. season as yeah. a, a great statistical yeah. season, to start the season, like the first four or five games, I he mean, was kind of. And even going to a player like Kyler Murray, who started off the season just on fire. Right. And that was a guy that that was the that was a guy that I missed on last year. That was mm-hmm. the one guy that, you know, I had zero shares of and he did start on fire. Russell Wilson started on fire. Russell and Russell Wilson does that historically. But, yeah. And we're gonna talk about that too, because I really do want to get to Russell Wilson. But so there were you know, but Kyler Murray ended the year, whether it was due to injuries or defenses catching up to him, you can kind of make I think it's a arguments. mixture of both. Yeah, maybe a mixture of both. Yeah. He ended the season very poorly and so that left a sour taste in people's mouths. Mm-hmm. So I think that this year the fantasy community is has basically taken that QB position and said, okay, let's let's wait a little bit. Okay, let's not be as aggressive as we were last year. Right. The other the second point I think why quarterbacks are going a little bit later is because we brought up the Konami code. In previous years, we were limited in terms of who we thought fit that category. Right. Now I think that tier in that category of the Konami code it's a lot quarterback, wider this year. it's a lot wider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. my general approach is I don't need the first player in that tier. I'm, I, I'll probably have 0% of Mahomes. Since oh, I'm not drafting know. Mahomes this yeah. season. And I think personally that offense is one to me that if they stay healthy, they can produce as they've done in the past. Right. But they're one injury away to having a lot of issues, whether it's Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, CEH, or one of their offensive linemen. So fragile teams like that really worry me. And look no further than places like, obviously Cowboys was one, an extreme example. But we have plenty of examples where one player goes down and re- it really makes an impact on the offense. So, you know, that next level of fantasy is looking at depths. You know, for the Cowboys, they look great right now, but their O-line depth is shaky at best. They lose an O-line and then we may be right in the back, maybe not as bad, but in a similar situation where we were last year where we were concerned about that offensive line. So, so for me, I'm waiting towards the end of that tier. And that has basically been Dak. Mm-hmm. And I think we should kind of go back and forth about Dak because I think we're in the same spot, but I want to offer the audience and the listeners two opposing views on this. Okay. So I'm going to take the pro view if you're okay with that. That's fine. Okay. Because I think right now we're kind of maybe a little bit mixed on the negative view. I think we're more agreeing, you know, in agreement on that. So Dak, I mean, was the overall QB1. I think we all know that before he got hurt. Putting up 400, 500 passing yard games, multiple TDs, passing, rushing, et cetera. He was exactly what we wanted. And mm-hmm. I think a lot, of a, a lot of the fantasy community, rightfully so, were, were very high on him uh, before the season started. Obviously, the injury happened. And I don't think any of us are concerned about the injury. He had an ankle injury that required surgery. He's healed from that. He's at OTAs, full strength, by all accounts. You know, based off of, you know, whether you talk to orthos, PTs, Dak himself, 100%, not even thinking about the injury. So the injury is not even I, I saw a quote today that he was saying, like, he knew he was right when on Cinco de Mayo, I guess he got out and, you know, got a little yeah. 
a little twisted a little yeah. bit. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. he was yeah. on the dance floor. He's like, okay, I'm good now. So, yeah, so he feels so, like he's right. So what, there's one thing that we all, I think, really like in fantasy football or gravitate, tr- gravitate towards, and that's continuity and consistency. And we have that with the Dallas Cowboys. Same head coach, mm-hmm. same OC. It's now his third year. Who's the OC there again right now? Is it Kellen? It's not Kellen Moore. Yeah, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. Yeah, they kept him on staff. Same O line, actually in a healthier O line. Lost a lot of bodies off. Yeah, that they, they got last a lot year. of guys back this season. Zeke is back. Tony Pollard's back. Amari Cooper's back. He's coming back from an ankle injury, but I think he'll be more than fine before the year starts. Blake Jarwin is back. Blake Jarwin's back. Week, week, week you, one, we had Dalton Schultz. Schultz. He showed out last year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Gallup and then CeeDee Lamb entering his second year. Right. So, if anything, this offense should be better than what it was last year. We have, I a, agree. We have an improved CD Lamb. We have not only Jarwin, but also Schultz. And we have a healthy O-line. Right. And then we also have Dak, again, being more comfortable in this system. Right. So, if he was putting up overall QB1 numbers, why are we waiting until the end of that tier to draft him? And I'm doing it myself. If I have a choice between Lamar... Kyler and Dak, I'm going between Kyler and Lamar, and I flip flop, you know, Rondell Moore, man. We, we'll, we'll get well, to him. But I mean, I'm always waiting. I mean, I don't, so I don't know how everybody else, as far as the consistency, is viewing Dak at the moment, but I just can't shake the fact that the majority of his production or those high ceiling games were against, uh, were, were in games where the team was losing and trying to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I literally just can't shake that because, and, and, and I looked at it again, it was, it was Atlanta, Seattle, and Cleveland. It was that, remember Cleveland, that game Odell mm-hmm. Beckham took one to the house? Mm-hmm. I think it was a reverse, a reverse. or something like yeah. that, right. you know? Yeah. Um, Atlanta, they literally were supposed to lose that game until that onside kick. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I don't watch many yeah. Cowboys. I'm a Texas fan. <laughs> but I, I saw the highlights and something was yeah. going on with that onside kick where Cowboys got lucky. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seattle, you know, they just, you know, they got smashed. So, so those three games is when he put up those high offensive productions. Mm-hmm. If the Cowboys don't have those type of games, and I said this last week, I don't know if Dak produces the way he produces. And that's really the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause. Because similar to the Titans, I feel like if the Cowboys are winning a game, and they're dominating it, even if they're not dominant, just, just say they're winning the game, and it's the fourth quarter. Instead of Dak throwing the ball like he was last season in the fourth, I feel like they're going to give it to that, that horse in the backfield, mm-hmm. Zeke, that they just paid a ridiculous amount of money a couple years ago, and let him churn the clock out. You yeah. know, and, and if that happens, then Dak's fantasy numbers are not going to go up. They're, they're going to be steady. And that's the only thing that gives me pause, because... Other than those three games, game one, he, he, he had about 200-something yards passing. Game five, you can kind of throw game five out the yeah. window because that's when he got hurt. Correct. At the time, he had like 100-something yards passing. But again, we can ignore that because he got hurt that game. But he might have got hurt, hurt near the end of the game. I, I don't recall. But um, I'm just not sure if they don't have those type yeah. of situations Dak produced. So, and, and that's the only reason yeah. why I'm a little so, bit paused on I Dak. Think, yeah, I think I – think- whether we have realized it or not, I think drafters currently somehow have it set in their mind that, they're, that they expect some regression, whether they're aware of it or not. Right. Because he's, he's being drafted at the end of that tier. Right. 
Yeah, they yeah, yeah. Spent a lot right of draft picks. You're right about that. They spent right a lot that. of draft picks on the defensive end. So we got to assume that they're – I mean, I just can't assume that their defense could be any worse than it was last year. Can't possibly be. Can't possibly be as bad. I mean, it's, it's possible, but it, we got to assume that their defense takes They've at least – They've added a lot of good pieces, yeah. but they're also very young. Yeah. So. And they had good pieces last year. I mean, their DBs were very young and inexperienced, but they actually had – individually they had decent pieces – Particularly on that D line, I think I think their issue is more of a scheme. Yeah, I think it's more scheme. So we'll see if that changes. But I I think regression, improving defense. You know, can Dak put up those type of numbers? Who knows? But he may he he honestly he may be a steal. So that kind of gets us to like the overall arching question. You know, what are we doing with QBs? My ideal draft is one where I wait on two positions. Well, four. We'll we'll exclude kicker and and uh, defense. But I'm waiting on two positions quarterback and tight end hmm. and this includes in a tight end premium league ideally i find that late round quarterback that you know is the sleeper the konami code and uh we have a few guys that i think we both uh, maybe agree on and some that we don't right but ideally i am drafting in the first six rounds players that i feel will provide me consistency from week to week Players that have not only a high floor, but also potentially a high ceiling. And I think if you draft a quarterback that early or you draft a tight end on the hopes that he has his breakout year, you are missing out on those guys. One guy that is one of my highest owned players right now is someone like Robert Woods. Mm-hmm. If I see Robert Woods in the fourth round, it is lock button. Mm-hmm. Okay, And usually that's the mid to late fourth round. And then if I see him in the fifth round, <sighs> lovely. So I don't want to draft a quarterback there when I can get a player like that, someone that I can count on day in and day out. You know, we, I think we get into this mindset of, okay, I'll wait at running back, I'll wait at wide receiver because I think this guy may break out. But ask yourself, you know, do a self-audit. Go back and look at previous years. Look at some of the guys that you took in the later rounds. Not only go, go back and look at their game logs, but if you somehow can – Go back and look at when you started those players. Mm-hmm. Look at how accurate you were when you started those players. You know, this is a, a stat that I, I literally want someone to create. To create. And, and it may there. be out there. It may be yeah. out there. I think I saw something about a year ago, but, you know. I, I, bet, I bet the fantasy engineer would get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I bet Kevin got it. <laughs> so, yeah, I want someone to come out with the stat. Okay, yeah, player X Look at his end-of-year stats. He scored, you know, enough points to put him in RB2 territory. But when did you start that player? Or when did you add that player, potentially? When did you feel comfortable starting said player? Mm -hmm. Did you wait till two games when he put up, you know, RB1, RB2 uh, points and then decided to start him that third week only to... You know, what eventually happens is he has his dud game. Mm-hmm. Right. Then you sit him on the bench. Then that, that following week, week. he does yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you really got to sort of kind of play the season out in your head. Right, and, right. and so when I'm drafting, right. I want to start my draft with guys I can say, okay, week one, you're in my lineup no matter what. Even if you have a bad game, I feel confident based on your track record, based on your situation, that you're going to provide me a safe floor and potentially a high ceiling. Right. So you guys also draft stash picks as well. How do you guys address rookie quarterbacks? Are you stashing rookie quarterbacks? Um, like, how do you guys evaluate rookies coming into the league? I mean, I, I really feel like that's um, 
situation dependent. I feel like every rookie has his, their own certain situation. And, you know, you know my, my background, let me not even say my background, but I, I, I'm heavy in dynasty. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm definitely on top of these rookie quarterbacks way, way early in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm kind of – I also evaluate the, the situation they're going into. Um, and, and just to – we can quickly say, okay, so you have somebody like Trevor Lawrence. We know mm-hmm. he, he was drafted number one. We know he's going to start from day one. Like, there, there's no competition. Um, the opening day he's going to be out there, you know, you know success or failure. He, he, whatever happens, he's going to be there. Um, so, you know, you look at him and you have to decide, you know, do you feel like he's a good enough player to, to draft because he's somebody that's usable, you know, regardless, you know. Then you look at somebody like a Trey Lance and a Justin Fields, and, you know, we, we, we might have little different views on this. Me personally, I, I don't know if Trey Lance and Justin Fields are going to be starting out the gate. Um, hmm. So, for me, those two guys, and you can even add Mac Jones into the, the uh, equation – those three guys are somebody where, yeah, we can probably assume at some point they're going to start. And historically, first-round picks, at some point during their first season, they do start. The, the, the question is, when is that going to occur? Uh, now, you know, at this time, coaches say all type of things. You know, most of them are BSing or, or they might truly believe it. The but, fluff. Yeah. Yeah, we call it fluff. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, they might truly believe it. But when, when, when the rubber hits the road, when it's time for the bullets to fly – they'll see, whoa, this rookie is a better option. But at the moment, these three teams were hearing Jimmy G is going to start, mm-hmm. um, Andy Dalton is going to start, Kim is going to start, and they're, yeah. they're not wavering. They're mm-hmm. not saying comp- quarterback competition. They're not saying we're going to see. They're, they're literally coming out now. And, and honestly, it's kind of confusing that they're even coming out at this point in June or May and even saying this because we haven't even really put the pads on. You know? But they're literally saying these guys are going to start day one. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's I think that's an important fact because I definitely have a very different view of Trey Lance. I don't think we are. I don't think we we differ when it comes to the player talent. Right. We just differ as you know when it comes to is he draftable, when's he draftable, and what's the likelihood of him starting. Right. But we've seen a couple of FFPC teams, best ball teams, where they load up on the skill positions and they address QB very late. And they do so with rookie QBs. Rookie quarterback, which I, I personally don't agree with. Um, because, again, we don't know what's going to happen. They could start week one. They yeah. can start week two. I think Baker started yeah. week three or week four. Yeah. Um, Justin Herbert started yeah. week two or week yeah. three for whatever reason. Um, but then you take other quarterbacks. And, you know, you know, we could take Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. You know, I know you don't like when I bring that up. But Patrick Mahomes really did sit out the whole first season. Um, um Deshaun Watts, I think he came in after about four games yeah. and started. Uh, we, we don't know what's going to happen. Yet, we don't. We, we do know but, there's talent. We do know they're going to be fantasy yeah. viable when they actually get yes. out there. But in, in high stakes, when every week is so crucial, are you willing to gamble on that weight? So let me. So this is my approach, and I'm going to provide specific, a specific example. So sometimes when I draft, I like to draft what I call complementary pieces. And I go through and evaluate a certain player and I have a certain mindset uh, and analysis and projection on said player and how he'll perform in said situations and said games. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's let's take Russell Wilson, for instance. We can go back the last few years. Russell Wilson always seems to have this sort of heckle and jive, heckle and jive high type season where he's 
QB overall one, or he's just. You know what's crazy? And now that you mention it, I recall not too long ago it was actually the opposite of the way it is now. Yeah. They started off yeah. where he was. They were running a lot, and then by the end of the season. The Doug Baldwin yeah. years, Russell Wilson would just blow up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like for the last two seasons, yeah. he started off cooking. Yeah. Then by the end, and that's uh, been a know. narrative. The Russ, you know, you know, let's let's get Russ cooking. So, I'm high on Russell Wilson this year for a number of different reasons. I like the OC that they brought in from the Rams. Right. You know, from what I hear, they're going to run some type of West Coast based offense. Try to get the ball out of Russell Wilson's uh, hand fairly quickly. But what I really think it's going to do is really put Wilson in some structure. Because we know he can scramble, we know he can run, we know he can throw the deep ball, but I think he runs into issues where the offense isn't as schemed as well as it should be, and he doesn't see the field as well as he should. Especially in divisional games. Are you trying to say he's too short? No, 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 I'm not saying he's too short. (laughs) But especially in the divisional games. Right. So when you look at the schedule and you see that he's going to play the Rams twice, tough defense— uh, and potentially San Francisco, which I think will be, you know, no, they're going to be a good defense. Yeah, I think they're going to be a good defense. So you're seeing them twice. And as I well. see them on the schedule, and I think he plays Pittsburgh. So he has somewhat of a, a tough schedule. For me, Russell Wilson is a matchup play. I can play hmm. him in most matchups, but he's okay. a matchup play. This idea that you, if you draft a quarterback that high, you got to start him week in and week out, bunk that. Last year when I was in the FFPC, I had Russell Wilson and Tannehill teams. I see. And I had no issues benching Russell Wilson and playing Ryan so, Tannehill. So you, to some extent, streamed exactly. your quarterback. So what does that allow me to do? As opposed to maybe getting Russell Wilson the number seven QB overall, well, if I play Russell Wilson on his up weeks and I play Tannehill when Russell Wilson has his down weeks, now I got the QB one, QB two overall. Right. That's a way right. to kind of. That's a way to get an advantage over right. the field. The, the only issue I would say with that is you just have. You just need to make sure you're right on. Exactly, you got to be pick. right. You got to mm-hmm. be right. So you got to self audit yourself. And and by no means right. am I right all the time. Right. And I'm okay with the end result. Trust the process, and whatever happens, happens. And then right. you just got to self audit yourself to make sure that that process is correct. Right. Okay. So my complimentary player with Russell Wilson is Trey Lance. I can't bring up San Francisco enough as far as their strength of schedule. And if you haven't heard our previous podcast when we've talked about strength of schedule, please go back and listen to it because it's not a catch-all phrase. I mean, reiterate it. The, those last so, three yeah, playoff weeks. Yeah, when I talk weeks. about strength of schedule, it's some of the stuff that we talked about earlier where we look at, okay, how many of these game, competitive games uh, or how many competitive games is this player going to be in? You know, what type of offense is the player in? Is he in a competitive offense that, where he's going to be able to actually keep up? Uh you know, when we look at strength of schedule, we want to we want to be very position. Uh, uh, we want to be positional specific. So I want to look at the RB strength of schedule. Then I want to look at the wide receiver strength of schedule. Tight end is extremely hard, but you want to look at the tight end strength of schedule. That's sort of kind of next level where you got to look at the linebacker and the safety play, and it's not easy. No, no, just to interject, just. To just let everybody yeah. know, I, I'm personally I'm not a big strength of schedule yeah. type person at all. Like I literally ignore it. That you know that's his thing, and you know he he definitely makes some points here and there. But you know for me it's just not something I yeah. really look at. Yeah. But, but go ahead. And it's the extreme strength of schedules. So I don't care about if you're ranked you know 15th to 25th. I want that back end, or at least what I projected to be as a, a bottom tier defense. And when I say I project. Okay, let's assume that they're bottom five. You know, we can let's put Detroit into that category. They may not be bottom five, but 
in all likelihood, if I'm a betting good, man, though. they're not going to be good. They're going to yeah. be below average. So right. I take that as a win. Yeah, so when you. I look at San Francisco's strength of schedule, in fact, let me pull this up because I think I need to make a, make this a point. I think I remember. I think it's the Titans. Um, it's definitely the yeah. Texans. So let's the- start yo, starting from week 11, Jacksonville. I'm not scared of them. Minnesota, they've had issues. Seattle, we'll see. Up and down. We'll see what they look like. They're not scary. Yeah, not scary. Cincinnati Bengals. They're not scary. Now let's get to the money weeks, mm-hmm. okay? The tournament weeks where you're playing for that $500,000 prize in the FFPC and other high-stakes leagues. Right. Week 15, Atlanta Falcons. Are y'all worried about the Atlanta Falcons? Nope. No. No. Really. no. Week 16, Tennessee Titans. Not really. Jeffrey Simmons still. is a beast, but hey, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not too concerned. Yeah, we'll see. In week 17, Houston. Okay. Now, so I like the strength of schedule. I also like the offense and the situation. I trust Shanahan. And I saw a stat, and you sent it out. And it's a, it, it's a very interesting stat that Shanahan has really not produced top-end overall offenses. Right. And that may be true. And there may be something to that that you can use. But he has produced week in and week out RB1s that can just explode. His QBs have the ability to produce QB1 weeks. His tight ends can produce tight end one weeks. And his wide receivers can go off. They've done it week in and week out. So for me personally, based on the strength of schedule, I'm trying to get a San Francisco player on my team, but specifically Trey Lance. And I like Trey Lance because I don't expect him to start the season. And he's... If he goes late enough, for me, it's round 14, 15 or later. I think we're starting to see him creep up a little bit. But round 14, 15 or later, I'm willing to take that chance so that in the event I make it to the tournament, I have a Trey Lance on my team. I am able to differentiate my team where maybe in the first five, six rounds, my team looks exactly the same. But guess what I have on my bench? That Konami code. Got you. And so as opposed to starting Russell Wilson when he's playing the Atlanta Rams and just having to eat it. And, and pray for the best, I have no issues starting a rookie. Running rookies have historically come in and just wrecked. Okay, more times than not, they're going to come in and do well. Defensive teams don't have tape on them. The offensive coordinators seem to somehow adjust their offense for them, and they usually have this in the back of their mind that we may go to this guy. They have packages set up mm-hmm. that defenses have not seen all year. Yeah. It's tough to prepare for that. Yeah. And we know that Trey Lance is athletically gifted, right, and right, he's, right. again, in a well-schemed offense. So for me, I mean, you could, it, it can, I mean, I'll even do it with the deck. I have no problems. I have no problem sitting any top-end quarterback outside of Mahomes. We'll see Lamar. I mean, I think Lamar goes off this year and probably Kyler. I think Kyler goes off this year as well. But everyone else, you're subject to sit on the bench. Okay. So a story that went under the radar this week was the Gus Edwards contract extension. Dio, I know that you care about contracts because you believe that a contract is how a team tells a player his his value right, and what he means to that team. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So so what does it mean that Gus Edwards got this ten million dollar contract, but mm-hmm. everybody's drafting J.K. Dobbins like he's the number one back in that backfield? I mean, I still do feel like Dobbins is the number one running back for sure. You know, uh, but but I I, I I basically feel as if people are undervaluing Gus Edwards, and, and you know, I get it. Gus Edwards is a, is a he's a grinder. You know, he's not very fast. He doesn't catch the ball much. He's not flashy. 
He's not just going to juke or, or burn away from anything like that. Um, but, but this is the thing I always like to tell people. It doesn't matter how we evaluate players or what we think about their talent. In reality, all that matters is what the team feels about these players. And we can say Gus Edwards is not that great or not that talented or we should be giving Dobbins all the work. But if the team feels like Gus Edwards is a valuable part of their team, then they're going to do what they want to do with that player. And they're the decision makers. Now, mm -hmm. look at the contract they just gave this man. A, a two-year, $10 million extension. You know, First of all, with, with an extension, that basically means they didn't even need to give him the contract. He was already under, under contract with the team. He was going to be there regardless. They felt like, you know, hey, we want to give you this money now to make you happy on the front end. Um, so then you look at the type of deal he got. That's basically $5 million per. Looking around at other running back contracts this offseason, that actually is a pretty damn good contract compared to what other running backs were getting. You can look at somebody like James Conner. I think he got like 1.75 for, hmm. for one year. Um, you can look at Kenya Drake. I think he got two years, $8 million, something like that. Um, I mean, just look. The, the, whole, the whole landscape of running back money was low this year, um, and they still felt like they needed to give him Five million per for two seasons. Um, so with that being said, I, I definitely feel like they plan to utilize Gus Edwards quite a bit. Um, whether he gets as much work as Dobbins, I don't know. You know, I, I want to say no, but I, I, I can't definitively say no. You know, they might say, you know what, it's 50-50. They might start Gus Edwards. Mm. We really don't even know. You know, Dobbins still has only been in the, 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 the league for one year. Um, Gus has a lot more experience with the team. You know, they, they've had him on the, the squad for, I think this is going to be his fourth year. Um, he actually was fairly successful last year. So it's not even like he basically, you know, he, he failed at doing what they needed him to do last year. He was actually pretty productive. Um, and again, they, they, they lost Mark Ingram. So now there's more work to go around. So I'm not going to sit here and say maybe don't value J.K. Dobbins the way you were valued him before. What I am going to say is y'all might want to look at Gus Edwards and say, you know what, maybe I should consider drafting him a lot higher than where I originally had him. Um, those contracts are, are serious. You know, money talks. You know, a team is going to tell you what they want to do with the way they spend their money. There's only a certain amount of money allocated to every team. Um, so when a team throws money at a certain player, you got to pay attention because they're basically telling you something without telling you something. So so that's definitely how I kind of see how the Gus Edwards situation plays out. A.B., like how do you then evaluate J.K. Dobbins and where he's going with a new contract like that? You know, there's a lot of – there's a big J.K. Dobbins hype train. Right. And I want to jump on. I mean, he's that type of player. You watched his college film. Ohio State, yeah. Oh, my God. The dude is electric. Even high school, he was, he was doing those Electric, explosive, yeah. home run speed. I think he can catch the ball out of the backfield. But this team is telling us, they can't tell us anymore. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> they can't tell you anymore. That They're this, banging, our head over, yeah. banging us over the head so with it, you know? We can ignore all of the signs, the warning signs, which are... Them paying Gus Edwards, Greg Roman being adamant about getting multiple backs involved. Right. Mm -hmm. Them, over the past few years, getting multiple backs involved. They've shown mm -hmm. it to us, yes. And you said Gus Edwards was somewhat of a jagger or a grinder. 
And I think you were being, you know, polite to the J.K. Dobbin truthers. But Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards is good. Yeah, he was. He was. He's good. I actually lost a fantasy championship last yeah, year. He is good. Gus Edwards. I was kind of upset. I don't personally draft Gus Edwards because he's just not the type of player that I typically draft. I mean, I guess you could draft him in the idea or sense that, okay, if J.K. Dobbins gets injured, then potentially league winner. But he just doesn't catch enough passes for right, him. Right, right. So that, to me, really, really, you know, is, is a player that I, I, I tend to shy away from. But, I mean, if you're going zero running back – or you go, you know, uh, you draft one running back and then wide receivers, quarterback, tight ends, et cetera. And, I mean, Gus Edwards is that, that guy that can get you by until you find, Agree. you know, someone who, who you know, who's a waiver wire find or someone who's able to take advantage of an, an early season injury, et cetera. Agree. So, for me, as much as I want to be on the J.K. Dobbins bandwagon, and right now in FFPC formats and best balls, I believe he's going in the third round. Uh, an underdog and, and, and at best ball. Such, we saw him in like the that. second yesterday, actually. Yeah, actually, yeah, the last. So and I'm going to post this draft because this, this was actually a very interesting draft. Right, right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I want to I draft J.K. in the third, but I just can't, I can't pass over the wide receivers that are going in that range. Let, let me mention one thing about J.K. Just so I don't want to just totally ignore it. The team has mentioned that they do plan to utilize him in the past game a lot more this season. How do you feel about that? Be honest. Make an assumption. Honestly, I don't believe them. Okay, thank Honestly. you. Honestly. <laughs> but I just want to put it out there that they've said that. And, and the reason I don't believe them is I, I, I feel like in most cases where you have a running quarterback, they don't utilize the running, game, the running back in the passing game as much as more of a statue or a pocket quarterback. And there's several reasons for that. Yeah. Obviously, when they're in trouble – in the pocket, they're not going to look to dump off. They're just going to basically look to take off. Um, so, you know, it definitely yeah. makes sense. And an important factor in that, too, is Greg Roman doesn't have his running backs running routes. Right. So that right. needs to change. It, it basically I mean, he, only he come- literally needs to change how, you know, he approaches or how he treats his running backs in his offense. Right. For, for, for there to be a significant change in J.K. Dobbins' targets. Right. And until I see that, you're basically hoping for J.K. just to be extremely efficient, efficient on correct. somewhat limited touches for right. someone who's going that early in drafts. Right. You're basically only hoping him for him to get passing work out of the backfield. Yeah. Which, you know, it's, it's kind of a hit and miss there. Um, but like Abby was saying, we've seen what the Ravens do or want to do. Um, they they basically shown us this over and over and over. We can again, like I said earlier, we can be our, be talent evaluators and say this is what they should do, or this is the way we see it. But guess what? We're not the one calling the plays. No, we're not the one determining the roster. We're not the one saying who goes into the game, who comes out of the game. It's the coaches in the front yeah. office that do that. So we basically have to get into their heads and see what, how they think. And if they feel like Gus Edwards. Um, should get a lot of work and J.K. Dobbins is not going to get as much pass work as we feel like he should, then so be it. It is what it is. You know, so. One thing I like to do, too, this is kind of, this is, uh, we'll take a a bit of a tangent here. I like to try to get in the heads of the O.C. and the coaching staff from a standpoint of how did they finish the season, okay? Because if you finish the season in a certain way, where you were knocked out of the playoffs because of X reason, you were going to go into the offseason wanting to address that. that reason. Right, right, right. So this is one reason why we are so high on Lamar and why 
Marquise Brown is one of my highest owned players. Did we tell people we're high on Lamar yet? Okay, a sneak peek. We right are there. high. On yeah, Lamar. we're. I mean, high on I think Lamar. a lot of we're people high are high. On <laughs> That's not a secret. Yeah. Uh, okay. But they didn't have an off season last year. COVID, you know, obviously wrecked a lot of teams. So I think them being able to install that passing game offense really hindered them going into the twenty twenty season. And, and you can see. And again, I still feel like Lamar is going to be a, mainly a rusher. Oh yeah, but absolutely. From the from the moves they made this year, they drafted yeah. Rashad Bateman in the first yeah. round. I think he was the twenty seventh pick. Yeah, they added Tyler exactly. Wallace. They added Sammy Watkins. Exactly. They, they're basically exactly. telling us they're exactly. trying to open up that pass game for Lamar. They want they they're talking to us. All we need to do is listen. Yes, just listen to them. But, but go back and 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 just get a sense of how they lost those games and what. I think opposing defenses will tell you and what they will tell you themselves, the Baltimore Ravens, is that teams saw them as one-dimensional. Right. And when they forced them to pass, they weren't able to do it. And as a result, they didn't win a Super Bowl. And this team has Super Bowl aspirations. aspirations. Yes, they, mm-hmm. they know they can run the ball. Yes, mm-hmm. they, they know do. they can play good enough defense to, to become a championship team. The last missing, the last missing part is that passing game. Open so you have to assume game, yeah. that they're working on that. And a little plug on Marquise Brown: go back and look at the last four or five game logs, including look at the, the playoffs, targets, the including the too. playoffs, yeah. and actually go back and watch the game. He was not just a deep threat. He was not just schemed open. He was finding spots in zones, sitting down. Mm-hmm. He was getting open, creating mm-hmm. separation. Yep. He was evolving as a receiver. Yep. I don't want to hear talk about Bateman. I understand Bateman's going to you know, maybe something in the future. We know what Watkins is. I really, really do think that given how late Marquise Brown is going right now, he's worth the risk. He may not pan out, but he's worth the risk. I'll, okay, so I don't quite want to say we should ignore Bateman because Bateman, I feel like draft profile and talent-wise in college, he was a very solid high-end Receiver, so I don't want to ignore him, but I definitely agree with you with Hollywood. Holly, I think people forget Hollywood was the first receiver drafted in the 2019 draft. He's not just some random, you know, receive small guy. And he was coming off a serious injury. He was coming off a serious injury. I think it was a this foot, this this Frank yep. foot injury. Um, so even with that injury, and even with his size, I want to say he's five. 10 or something. And we like all that. we all love OTA picks. I mean, he's looking mm-hmm. a little, a little <laughs> yeah, the, the dude <laughs> is talented. The dude is good. And yeah. we just kind of just disregarded him. Yeah. Um don't sleep, don't sleep on Hollywood. We need to have a segment on just players. Yeah, we, we need a disrespectful disrespected. segment. Disrespected. Like, he's one. Actually, actually, I think we're gonna get to that in a minute, but okay. I do want to go to a question from Twitter from Binky. Dr. Binky oh, the Doormat. Don't disrespect him. Dr. Dr. Binky the Doormat from Twitter. He says, who do you see as the best running back value among the top 15 or so running backs? That is such a tough question. So if we look at the top 15 running backs, that's basically tier one and tier two. That's basically from CMC to, let's say, Clyde Edward Tiller, given ADP. And then the tier below that, now includes players like DeAndre Swift, who's dropped from you know dropped to that tier given the recent news and may not be warranted, but we'll see. J.K. Dobbins, Miles Sanders, Chris Carson. That's those are the guys that I have in that tier, and that's not in any particular order. So as far as who's the best value, mm-hmm. honestly, I think whoever falls to you. They, <laughs> you know, we, we are too early into the 
offseason to really be able to nail down, you know, who is the true value in that tier. Outside of CMC and uh, and uh, D- Dalvin Cook, you know, one and two. And, you know, maybe you can argue Derrick Henry doesn't catch, you know, a lot of passes, but you can argue it at number three. But outside of that top tier, you know, there's a lot of the same. And you can yeah, make, they're really kind of compact. Every player know. has pros and cons. Right, Ezekiel right, Elliott, right. the con is Tony Pollard. Sa- Saquon Barkley, obviously the con is the where, you know, where is he at with the, uh, with the uh, injury? Correct. Jonathan Taylor, Nahi Han. Right. Marlon Mack Hines. coming back. Yeah. yeah, potentially Marlon Mack. Uh, and then, I mean, Carson Wentz himself. Is that offense going to be as good? You know, we know going from Philip Rivers, a guy who traditionally throws it and chuck, you know, and, and uh, you know, checks down. It. He shot yeah. puts it, but yeah. <laughs> well, checks it down to his running backs. You know, Carson Wentz historically has not done that. Yeah, you know, maybe yeah. that's a product of the offense. We don't know. We'll yeah, find out. Yeah. Austin Eckler, you know, again, he's he's not getting a large workload, but maybe he has that Alvin Kamara. That's well, they, they have a different OC this was. Well, they do so have a different really OC know. coming over from the Saints. So maybe right, he's right, the Kamara right, role. Right. Maybe he gets a little bit more goal line. I can understand why players want to take him at the back end of that first round. Right. Uh, Cam Akers, you know, is he really the true down number one back? That's I believe guy. so. That's my guy. I right believe there. so. Yeah. But there's still, you know, we haven't fully seen it just yet. And we also need to see that passing game component as well. Najee Harris, his one knock. I mean, some some people actually argue how talented he actually is. We know that he's good. That's a terrible argument. He's very well, talented. I, I think, mean, I think in, in terms issue. in terms of you know his you know players who've been drafted you know in the first round before. I see. But, I see. But but obviously the knock on him is being in a Pittsburgh offense. That offensive line is and the offensive cool. line exactly. Yeah. So I mean, and we can kind of go all, down the road. Aaron Jones. We need to get to Aaron Rodgers at some point. Right. Let's not make we'll, this. We'll get to it at some point. Yeah, we need to get to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Joe Mixon. We're both high on Joe Mixon. But we know well. Joe Mixon has problems staying healthy. Yeah, we do. We also know that that offensive line is suspect. And who knows where Burrow is. And we, it looks like he's on the right path. But who knows where he is. Nick Chubb. If I had to pick one yeah. value, it's Nick Chubb. Even with Kareem Hunt. Even so that, with so Kareem that's your Hunt. Guy. Chubb is the guy. I, that's okay, the best in value. Ter- you know, I, when I look at that chart in terms of my highest percentage players, he's in like that top six, top seven. Okay. Uh, okay. I, go back. Number one, he may be the best running back, pure running back in the league. Oh, by For far. For me personally, he by is the far. best running back in the league. By far. We can say that Kareem Hunt is there, but they are in a run-based Offense. Kareem mm-hmm. Hunt is there, and that's fine. That's, he, he, Chubb needs some rest sometimes, yeah. you know? Towards the end of the season, we started seeing him get work mm-hmm. in the passing game. And this guy has can get you 15 plus, 15 plus touchdowns in a season. He can, he can get you 200 plus yards, so meaning he has, you know, tremendous upside, league winning, week winning, tournament winning type upside I mean I love getting Nick Chubb as my RB too so if I had to pick one he's a guy but so I also the, love Antonio Gibson so, so my guy with that question yeah. um, is okay I actually think it's probably the the one of the last running backs selected in that top 15 range um, and it, my guy for that question would be Clyde Edwards Hilaire um, I think People are kind of sour on CEH from what he did to them last year. 
It's funny oh. how things change. Mm-hmm. Funny how things we change. We hate a player. I hated him the last very year. Next, and the very next year, we but, love but, a player. But, okay, <laughs> so I don't really truly hate a player. Yeah. I hate the ADP. I hate the ADP. We hate the ADP. Right. I hate the way people think about situations and things. I tend to kind of go against the grid. I tend to zig when everybody's zagging type we, thing. We know that. Oh, um, <laughs> That we know. So, so you look at somebody like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, one of the things with him compared to all the other running backs you just mentioned He's one of the few running backs that literally has no other competition in the backfield with him. Yeah, he has Daryl Williams, who's actually, you know, solid. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he does a little thing, but... That's um, a grinder. N- nobody's looking at Daryl Williams like he's a great running back or somebody that's really a threat. He, he's going to spell C.E.H. here and there. But C.E.H. was a first-round pick. Not just the first round. He was the first running back pick in the 2020 draft. You know, the back end of the first round. Um, he, he's great in the passing game. That's actually one of the, the biggest attributes he had coming out of college was how good he was receiving, you know? He's with the Chiefs. He's with, if, if you were to ask everybody, 100 people, who was the top offense in the NFL, I guarantee the majority of them are going to say the Kansas City Chiefs. And he is their running back. Now, mm-hmm. I, I know last year when he was at the goal line and they were actually giving him the carries, he failed every time, miserably. <laughs> it's like... That's just not him. It's like, <laughs> what, what's going on? Either he don't yeah. see the hole, he's not strong enough, or what it was. I don't know. He just couldn't produce at that time yeah. period. Um, but he's one year he, He's one year past that, you yeah. know? You would think he got stronger. You would think they kind of improved their scheme a little bit. I do know they revamped their offensive line like they crazy. They upgraded the offensive line, I, I think right? they literally changed all Bingo. their offensive line Absolutely. men, uh, uh, client, uh, personnel, you know? So you would think it would be an improvement there. Um, and again, he's going to get the work. Now, how well he does with that work, that's to be determined. But when you look at every other running back, like, like Abby was just mentioning, you can literally look at every other running back, and there's another running back that could literally take work away from them. Um, the amount of work that's taken away, who's to say? But there's somebody there. Hmm. You know, you, you, We've all watched football games. Everybody plays in fantasy. Our running back is in the game. They're, they're driving, and then they get near the goal line or the red zone, and then the team decides to take our running back out. Oh, my out God. Let me take put. You remember Alvin Kamara. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, he won me one of those trophies, okay? He scored five uh, TDs. He was about to score number six. Yeah. Well, actually, no, I, think it was, I think it was before his fifth. He was on four. He's about to score five. They call a timeout. And guess who they bring in? They bring in the, the Taysom, Taysom Hill. Hill. The Mr. Mr. Mm. Hill. This man scored four TDs for me. Mm-hmm. I am literally, I'm irate. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we, were texting, texting. we were texting. We were texting. <laughs> I was so hot. <laughs> this man is about to break the record. How dare you? Right. Sean Payton, if right. I ever see you on the street. Right. How dare you? <laughs> on sight. If I see you on sight, man. <laughs> so, Bruh, but, come but, on, but, man. But, We've all yeah. seen that. Yeah. We have yeah, our yeah. running backs who who is a great talented yeah. running back, and the the team for whatever reason decides to spell him either because they feel like the running back is tired or they just want to get yeah. fresh legs or whatever. Ch doesn't really have that. Yeah. I mean, again, we have Daryl Williams, but we've seen Daryl Williams. Yeah. We know what he is. Um, so the question was, who's the best value? He's the last guy taken in the range of who we were speaking of, and he's going to be with the, the the most potent offense in the league. He has the, the draft capital. You know he's going to get the receiving work. And, and, and one secret about running backs is receiving work helps out the value of running backs immensely. Mm-hmm. Immensely. Mm-hmm. Now, you're going to have those running backs that they don't get receiving work and they're still great, great 
backs or fantasy production like you have your Derrick Henrys and your Chubbs. But like we were talking about Konami codes, quarterbacks running is a, is a cheat code. Running backs receiving is a cheat code as well. That's why CMC is always number one. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So for me, value-wise, I think CH yeah. is probably my guy that I would choose. And I like that. I mean, I use that term lock button in terms of like, if I see this player you know, with this in this round, I'm automatically clicking that draft button. I can't click it fast enough. There's nothing better than starting off a draft with CMC, CEH. Right. If you it, avoid that, 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 that the, trap yeah, we talked about last trap. week. Yeah, yeah. CMC and trap. And again, that's not, a, it's not it's saying it's a bad way to draft. It's just that it, it's kind <laughs> I, I of... Think, uh, I think it's hard Mu- not to. Muzio, what's his name? I think he, he, he was tweeting today that Muzio. he likes to start... Yeah, yeah, he likes yeah. to start CMC and a CH and Swift. Yeah, and I, and I would mm. love that yeah, start. I yeah. would love that start. And it also differentiates you from the field. So for me... I, I, I love everything that you said and completely agree. And I agree, you know, we don't know how good he's, he is. I, when, I, when I was watching film of him in college, I was not enamored with what everyone else saw. I felt like he was in a great situation. He was put in, you know, in perfect situ- situations to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, he was better than the average, obviously. But mm-hmm. I didn't see anything off, on film that, you know, that caught my eye. Yeah. And when I watched him in the NFL, one thing that I saw that we saw with great historic Chiefs backs is that he lacked that breakaway speed. Mm-hmm. You know, he may hit the hole, he may have a little bit of explosion, but the idea that he's going to break one the distance, I don't I, see. I, I think in the combine he ran a 4.6, so he wasn't one of the faster yeah, running backs. Yeah, yeah. And, and you don't have to run a super fast speed. You can have acceleration, but he would just, I mean, he would get caught from behind so easily. Yeah. So, but I still, I still like him in that offense. Uh, and one thing I think we got to consider when it comes to these uh, backs, you know, coming out of their coming out of their rookie seasons, is that oftentimes they are limited as far as what the offensive coordinator, coordinator will put on their plate. Right. We're seeing that with Antonio Gibson. Yes. They don't want to give these guys yes. too much early on. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot, of, a lot of times what they limit is that passing game work mm-hmm. and specifically the third down work in terms of picking up blitzes. Right. So if you can't pick up a blitz, you're likely not going to be in on third down right. and you're likely not going to be getting those right. third down check. Right. And Mahomes is not really a check down quarterback. But if he is going to check it down, it's going to be on the third down. Right. So we may see him improve this year. You know, I think he's the type of guy. It's always hard to kind of judge character from afar. But I think he's the type of guy that should have no issues improving in that right. category. I trust Eric Bieniemy, although he's we don't we don't know if he's there. Well, no, no, he's not the offensive coordinator. They haven't okay. resigned him. So, so I think I think Mike Kafta is going to yeah, be the offense. Yeah. So but so but 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 the last sorry, one last thing. Go one ahead, last go thing. Ahead. One last thing is they also lost their slot receiver. What I'm calling their slot receiver. Who was that? Sammy Watkins. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. He wasn't replaced. I don't, I, I, you know, we can talk about McCole Hardman, but I, I'm not a fan of the rest of their receiving core. So outside right. of Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, there's a void there. Right. And he could potentially they, help they, fill they, that they void. They re-signed Demarcus Robinson. Demarcus Robinson. They they, got they, Hardman, they're actually they talking got Pringle. about Byron Pringle. Yeah, they're yeah. talking about Byron Pringle. And then, fair you know, they got, they got a number of guys. In I, I kind of like Byron Pringle. But again, I'm a dynasty guy, so I, I you know, I deep dive. Um, I will say it's going to be his second year. Yeah. So we would think the more he's gotten stronger, more experience in the offense. And remember last year, I mean, everybody knows we had COVID last year. So mm-hmm. these rookies weren't getting the type of work they've historically gotten in the past. Yep. You would think that improved this year. So, yeah. so, but that's my value. You know, yeah. I'm not saying he's the best running back, but value wise, I think you definitely yeah. get and value. Basically, there. you just, whoever you can get at the end of the tier, grab. Grab, yeah. yeah. And diversify for now until, we, until it clarifies, until the situation clarifies itself. Yeah. Don't be surprised if Josh Jacobs has a break. I don't want to say breakout season, but has a better season than he had last year. I like Josh Jacobs. 
but I also believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to go to. I'm not a Josh Jacob fans, but he's believe, another. He's wait. he's another guy that's been disrespected. Wait, and you yeah. believe Rodgers is going to Vegas? Yeah, I think he's going to Vegas. Okay, I don't and think so, he's going to do. And that's a okay, that's an like interesting that. play. So the I draft, like I did a draft. I did an FFPC draft, and I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna post this draft tomorrow, Thursday. What's today? June. Post it tomorrow morning. We're gonna post it Thursday, June, 9th. June okay. 10th. Today's June 9th? June 9th. Okay, I'm gonna post Thursday, it tomorrow, June, June 10th. Gonna I'm gonna post this draft. Yeah. And I'm not a Jacobs guy. Uh I think he's a third or fourth round trap in FFPC formats. But when I see him in the mid fifth round, yeah, at, at that point, I'll take it. You know, and I'll and I'll, okay, and I'll, so and I'll play that angle. Now, now that we're talking about Josh Jacobs. Because Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson may go to Denver. Right. And right, if Deshaun right. Watson goes to Denver, there's not a lot of places that Aaron Rodgers can go. Right. But now that we're talking about Jacobs, let's okay. let's remind everybody. Last year, you were we we were arguing all the time about Josh Jacobs. Why we got to bring that up? Can <laughs> we go on to the next topic? <laughs> but 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 yeah. it's funny because it's like we we flip flop. Yeah, I kind of like Josh Jacobs a little bit more now. Yeah, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing that gives me hesitation because I kind of like where you're coming from. Yeah. But Kay and Drake, don't just ignore that. They oh, gave you can. Him a, mm-hmm. They gave him yeah. a very good contract for for the type of role. Yeah. Most people would expect a back uh, a backup running back to have that contract was pretty significant. Yeah. I'm trying to tell yeah. y'all, y'all have to look at these contracts. <laughs> and you, and you bring it up, you know what we think versus what coaches think. We got to put, you know, we got to really raise the bar as far as what the coaches think, and, and and the contract speaks a lot to that. Right. But as far as like you know, players, what they put on film. Sometimes I will raise that bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what Talent, I saw yeah. from Drake last year, you know, people were saying, oh, he's going to come in and take the passing game work. And What I saw from him last year as a pass catcher was, was not very good. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it was wasn't. not very good at all. He looked awkward. Yeah, yeah it was. You know, his yards after a catch, I don't know them. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know that stat off the top of my head, but I can guarantee it wasn't good. Right, right, I can right. guarantee it wasn't good because right. I watched pretty much almost right, all of his games. right. right. And, you know, it was a, a struggle. And he looked very slow. timid and slow as a runner. Like he I, was running I, I, in mud. I will say this, and I'm not defending Kenyon Drake whatsoever, but I do recall this time last year he was speaking about how he wanted to kind bulk of up. bulk up oh, that's to, never to handle the full <laughs> yeah. workload. And prior to that with Miami and his first year with Carolina, yeah. he was more slim, yeah. more agile. So I think that kind of backfired on, on him a little bit. Yeah. I don't know how he's going to come out this season. Yeah. I would hope he kind of yeah. adjusts that. And but I definitely think that hurt him a lot last yeah, year. Yeah, but he did not look good last year. So, yeah. to your point, if Drake looks the way he did last year, Jacobs, maybe in the fourth round even, is a steal. And mm-hmm. don't forget, and we can move on after this, but don't forget last year to start the season, Jacobs came out going off. Mm-hmm. The first few weeks like he actually like I was actually wondering to myself like damn maybe Abby was right maybe Jacobs was the the truth but by the end of the season I was right you know I was telling myself for a minute I ain't gonna lie but in the season you know so yeah but go ahead but he's man. a matchup play he's a yeah. matchup play so when you draft him and you see that he's going up against the Los Angeles Rams and there are a few games into the season and they look like they're a bad team Understand that's probably not a game that you're going to want to play him in mm-hmm. because they're likely going to be in a negative game script situation. Mm-hmm. He's likely going to have difficulty running against that Rams offensive or a defensive line. Not that they're, you know, the most amazing defensive line when it no, comes to man, running. Aaron Donald. I mean, he's a great passer. I mean, they, you know, I think if you're going to beat them, you need to, you know, have some balance. But, but either way, but like, that's not a team that I want to start him against. But there mm-hmm. are other right. teams. 
that he goes up against where I feel like, you know, he'd be a great start. So, yeah, yeah. so he's, a, he's, a, he's a guy that, uh, that I, think, I, I, know, I do think he's lot. slightly undervalued. Last yeah. year, I think he was taken in the late first. Late, sec- late first. Late, early second. Early second. And yeah, now you him. got him in the fifth yesterday. Yeah. I think that's a value. I think it's a value. And so I like that call. And Dak like in the call. seventh round. Dak in the seventh round. And that was honestly, I mean, like we, like we talked about earlier, because I love getting no skill position. I was questioning whether or not I wanted to even take Dak in that round, knowing that I may just take Tannehill, you know, two rounds later. But I think it was a smart move. You can't pass up Dak in the seventh. I probably would have taken right Tannehill. <laughs> just depending <laughs> on who was on the board, yeah, though. Depending yeah. on the board. Let's go off script for a second because I know that I'm going against, you know, pre-production. Let's go ahead and have the Aaron Rodgers conversation. Let's have it right now. Okay. We just had a blockbuster trade last week with Julio Jones. We're still waiting to see what happens with with Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't show up to mandatory OTAs. Let's address Aaron Rodgers. Let's address Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, how Aaron Rodgers affects their ADP if he is not back with the Packers and what that means for everyone surrounding Aaron Rodgers. You want to go? First? I mean, I can start up because I was the first one that kind of was like, Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded, right? So, <laughs> so. Was he the first one, though? I don't know. I don't know if he's the first one. It was draft night. I was telling y'all. I actually thought he was going to be traded draft night. check the transcript. Y'all didn't believe me, but he wasn't traded, so. Check the chat. I don't know about that one. We'll get back to you on that. So, for me, and then definitely I'm getting way ahead of myself with all this, but I, in my mind, I've literally just accepted that. I feel like Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Denver Bronco, you know, for whatever reason. I, like, okay. that's locked in my head. So I've literally been approaching the drafts this season as if the starting quarterback for the Broncos will be Rodgers and all his weapons are going to benefit from that, which Oof. is why I've been high on Noah Fant, um, Sutton, Judy, Judy. Oh, what, did, what did I just what did I, what did we what did we just say about Judy? What did I just text about Judy a couple of days ago? I forget. I forget. Ninety plus reception. And I don't yeah. even. I don't care if his quarterback is Aaron Rodgers or, or Bridgewater. not. Bridgewater. <laughs> well, I think it's going to be Bridgewater. Yeah. Uh, or, or Locke. That's. I, I, I don't like think it'll Locke, be Locke. I, I, I think it'll be Bridgewater. But I think Jerry Judy is headed for a ninety plus catch here. And right. I think Sutton's injury. Is being downplayed, honestly. Yeah. I think I mean, he's going to take a while to get back to what he was. We need to talk to the doc about Sutton. I don't think we've, yeah. we've asked him about Sutton. No, no. We, we definitely need to reach we, out to him. Exactly. But, 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 it, but as far as the Broncos, it, okay. It, this is kind of part of the reason why I didn't want to talk about the, the Titans trade, the Julio trade, because I feel like we kind of slightly touched on that a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We were trying to be ahead of it. And once it happened... I feel like we, we were already where we need to be. So talking about this Aaron Rodgers thing in the same vein, I feel like, okay, if we expect Aaron Rodgers to go to the Broncos, and again, you brought the Vegas uh, Raiders, which we can touch on as well. I think that's kind of interesting. But if we expect Rodgers to go, or if Rodgers ends up on the Broncos, what does that do to all these pieces around the Broncos, right? Mm-hmm. I think that shoots everybody up because – one thing about Jerry Judy last year, and I like that you said you feel like he's going to get 90 receptions. He was Lock. open all the time last year. Stayed open. 7-11. Like, 7-11. Se- mm-hmm. 24 hour All pitches. day no. long, Jerry <laughs> Judy was closed, open. Right? Not even in business <laughs> he, he just wasn't getting the, the, the targets. Like the, the ball wasn't coming to him, but he was always open. Always open. If you give that type of 
weapon, and we've seen Aaron Rodgers have those weapons mm-hmm. before. We've seen him with the Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelsons, yeah. Donald Drivers, Greg Jennings. If you give that type of weapon to Aaron Rodgers, he's going to make magic. If you knew today Aaron Rodgers was going to the Broncos, I guarantee you, you'd be taking Jerry Judy at least two rounds earlier than what he's taking now. He would... By the end of draft season, and again, in my mind, I'm assuming that Sutton is going to be slowly working his way back from health. He would be going at the end of the third round into the fourth round. Mm-hmm. Jerry Judy is this year's Deontay Johnson. Mm. I like that. Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy is this year's Deontay Johnson. You, at some point, to win a league, especially these high-stake leagues, you're going to have to find solid value in the later rounds. Right. And Jerry Judy, when he falls to that seventh, eighth round, I mean, he is screaming at you. Take me. Right. Take me. So, so, so when we say Rodgers potentially can move to the Broncos, once that happened, all Judy shoots up. Noah Fant, you know I'm big on Noah Fant this yeah. year. Yeah. Noah Fant, when he was in college, they, him and TJ Hawkinson went to the same college. What was it? I, no, it's not Iowa. I don't even remember. They went to the same school as George Kittle. They came into the draft the same year. Hawkinson was the all-around tight end. Can block, receive, dominant. Fent wasn't as much of a blocker. He was a major receiving tight end. Iowa. Iowa, yeah, mm-hmm. Iowa. He was a major receiving tight end. And at the end of last year, because I, I recall to start the season, Locke wasn't targeting his tight end as much. But by the yeah. end of the season, they kind of just recalibrated him and said, focus on Fent. Fent was doing a lot of work. Take Locke out of the equation and put Rodgers in and have him targeting Fent. As a receiving tight end, mm-hmm. Fed's gonna go off. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there, there's so much that Rodgers would bring to the offense as far as manipulating the defense. <sighs> so if you thought Judy was open before, <laughs> oh my god! And one thing, one of my issues with fans is I I thought he's you know good you know straight line runner, but I felt like he had difficulty separating. But imagine Aaron Rodgers play action pass. Looking the deep, you know, looking the safety off. Fence just wide open with that flick of the wrist. Just that yeah. Rogers flick, flick of the right wrist. there. Just there you go, <laughs> all day long. So, so yeah. Honestly, all those Broncos for me at this moment, yeah, all those Broncos are undervalued. And a quick play off of that, you brought up the Raiders. Mm-hmm. If you're doing a lot of best balls and you're heavy into best balls, and you're like, okay, how can I come up with a creative stack? Because that's really the only time that I really like to force a stack anyway. We need, we need to discuss stack at yeah. some point. Yeah. I don't think everybody understands yeah. true I'm gonna let you, I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you uh, touch on that right after I talk about it. But you talking about the potential for Rodgers going to the Raiders. Imagine stacking the Raiders with Rodgers. I never even considered they are, it. They are cheap I never right now. It, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, you got to pay for Darren Waller. Yeah. But then maybe you get... Henry Ruggs. Ruggs yeah. How cheap is Brian Edwards? Mm-hmm. John Brown. They're all cheap. They're all cheap. Bro, they're Take all cheap. Take your pick of the cheap. litter. They're yeah. all cheap. And you know that they're not going to be the heaviest run game. Okay? So you don't necessarily have to kind of go after Jacobs. You just go after all of their receiving options. Right. Man, mm-hmm. I literally just came up with that. Yeah, we're going to have to start if, implementing that. If, if you win. I'm you. A stack. Hey, we need to get a cut. We need to get a cut. I need my cut. Like, we ain't playing. We need that money. We're going to sue you. Um, But seriously. Yeah, talk about stacks. Talk about stacks. I mean, okay. So, let's let's explain what a stack is for the the people that are not really familiar with the term. A a stack basically means you take a team's kind of uh, um, 
all the, the, the players on a team that basically can, can have a great game if the team blows up. By that I mean you're taking their quarterback and their receivers. Sometimes people like to look at the quarterback and the, the running back. Me personally, I feel like it's more so quarterback and receivers. So like we were talking about Dak last year having those 500-point games. If you look at what CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper were doing, they also had great games as well. So that when we say stacking, it means if your quarterback is going to have a great game, he has to throw it to somebody. That means the receivers are also going to have a great game. So when you stack, you're basically saying all these players together are going to blow up at the same time. And, and stacking benefits a lot of best ball turners, like you're saying, because with best ball, you know, they always put your best lineup into the starting lineup. So when that occurs, you don't even really have to know when it happens. But when it does occur, you're going to get all those points. Yeah. So stacking is very beneficial. And when we were talking about the Raiders – I did a best ball on underdog a couple of days ago. I, I, I promise you, John Brown, Brian Edwards, Henry Rugg, all were taken after the 14th round. Wow. And these are all the Raiders receivers. We're not even missing a receiving option as far as wide receiver mm-hmm. there. Like, we know it's going to be those guys. Now, of course, Waller is going to do his thing. You know, mm-hmm. he's a first, second, third round pick. But after that... They're, they have to throw it to somebody, mm-hmm. you know? And all of those guys are cheap. At the moment, say Rodgers doesn't go there, Derek Carr is cheap. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the cheapest stats you can have at this moment that has a high upside. And remember, these receivers I'm talking about, they're all, to some extent, deep threats. Yeah. Ruggs goes, is one of the fastest receivers in the draft, the 2000, 2020 draft. He can go deep. John Brown, we've seen him go deep when he's with the Cardinals, when he's mm-hmm. with the Ravens, when he's with the Bills. And Brian Edwards, a lot of people don't know Brian Edwards, but Brian Edwards is probably one of the more talented receivers in last year's drafts. Injuries kind of sapped a lot of his, his kind of, um, well, the way people looked yeah. at him. But if he was healthy, he was actually one of the higher touted receivers. Yeah, he's one of my favorite late round picks. Oh, to piggyback off of that real quick, I read an interesting quote from Kenyon Drake. And this quote or me bringing this quote up has really nothing to do with Kenyon Drake. But it was interesting how he phrased it. Uh, The quote was based off of, or based around the idea of them improving in red zone offense. And he was talking about how with him and all the weapons that they had, they felt like they were going to improve significantly in that area this year, heading into 2021. And he mentioned a few names, okay? He mentioned Henry Ruggs, obviously Darren Waller and Brian Edwards. Okay. And the importance of that is in these areas where the wide receiver room or who's going to be starting is very ambiguous. We have no clue what is going to happen or who's going to win those starting jobs, the, you know, the slot job or the X receiver, et cetera. When players mention things like that, I take note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because that kind of tells you, okay, He's bringing up these names. That those guys he sees are likely the leaders yeah, in those rooms. See, they're likely running with the one. But, but, so it's, it's you know it's a small little tidbit. But but for me, I don't even really think it's that ambiguous. I think yeah. we know because, because, so. because last year the, the 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 top receiver for the Raiders was Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, the guy that they literally ran out of Philadelphia. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they literally like they man, please leave. We don't want you anymore. <laughs> and I think Nelson was a first round pick for the Eagles. Yeah. So they really gave up on him yeah. quick. But, yeah, but I mean, Nelson was, Nelson was good. No, no, he was solid. And then he yeah. went to the Raiders and he showed out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He showed out. H- Henry Ruggs got hurt. 
he was kind of in and out of the lineup. Yeah. Brian Edwards is still coming back. Um, they had Tyrell Williams, yep. who I tried to convince you all I was wrong about. But Tyrell Williams got hurt. He's gone now. Mm-hmm. You know, so now the only receivers they really have are Ruggs, Edwards, and John Brown. It's literally no confusion. You yeah. know who they're going to put out there. So And Renfro. Yeah. You did say Renfro's a slot receiver. Yeah, Renfro's a slot receiver. Yeah, we know, we know. Renfro produces. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned the potential for you know the teams that would gain or how the t- or whatever team Aaron Rodgers went to how it would affect them, but how would it affect the, the Green Packers. Bay Packers? Yeah, this okay. is where it is tough. Yeah. So first yeah. you have yeah. to decide: yeah. one, is Aaron Rodgers going to get traded, or is he just going to sit out the year, or is he going to sit out part of the year? Is he going to retire? That's also yeah. An and if he retires, he's probably going to come back the following year. But there's also a chance that he sits out the first three or five games and then comes back. All of those within the realm of possibility. Everything is on the table. So you got to figure that out. And so basically, that's just kind of your level of risk tolerance when it comes to drafting. And again, we're talking to people who are doing multiple drafts. Right. If you're doing one single draft, just avoid the situation. Go with the known. But when we're focusing on the unknown, we want to be a little bit prepared, and we want to try to take advantage of opportunities right now. That's where the edge is. is, is so right when there. it comes to the skilled players, again, let's assume I think right now, based off of what I'm hearing out of camp, and I know it's OTAs, from, and, from your and I know it's fluff by sources, <laughs> Twitter, <laughs> Twitter, and everyone on Twitter, <laughs> and everyone retweeting everyone right, on Twitter. Right, right, right. Your private so, sources, yeah, your yeah, my sources. private sources. So based off of what I'm hearing, I you know I was on the Bortles camp. I kind of like the idea of him reconnecting with the OC, et cetera. Blake Bortles? Yeah, I felt like they just you know because the, mm. the talks earlier on were that Love was just not ready. They signed Blake Bortles. He's familiar to some degree with the offense. He's got yeah. some experience, and he's somebody that can just sort of kind of get you by at least play the first five six games until they feel like Love is ready. Yeah. But based off of what I'm hearing in camp and you know uh, how he's performing, it sounds like. Love may, they may push love to start. And we mm. talked about this the other day. You cannot be the Green Bay organization, alienate Aaron Rodgers by drafting love in the first round. Bingo. Bingo. And then have Rodgers pull, I don't want to call it a stunt, but basically have this situation with Rodgers, lose Rodgers in and some fashion, or, yeah. and then not start love. Right. You have how, to. You have how to. bad would you look? Right. Yeah. To say we drafted this guy over love, we alienated our MVP caliber quarterback in and the we're not first round. We, in the first round. In the first round. So no, no, no. they traded up. And they traded up. So, yeah. so basically, man. yeah, they have to start love. They so have to. Let's start with that. So they're starting love. Okay. So we know we know love per film or per scouting report throws a great D ball, but has problems with accuracy. Right. Okay. He can run. He can run. Okay. So whether or not you want to play with him as a late round quarterback. You know, by all means, you know. He kind of he kind of reminds me of Colin Kaepernick for some reason. Colin Kaepernick, Jalen Hurts. I mean, he may have some standalone value. Don't put that, yeah. you know. Matt LaFleur is, I think, a very good play caller. Uh, and it's very creative. Yeah. So. Former Titans. Yeah, so, we're not, you know, we're not really considering drafting love in, in any significant form. Okay, right. as far as spending a, you know. But, but let's talk ADP about how it affects Adam. Exactly. And so Jones. the first player that I want to get to is Aaron Jones. What's your take on Aaron Jones? As far as if Rodgers is traded? If Rodgers is not there, Aaron, uh, Love is a quarterback, what are you doing with Aaron Jones? I, I definitely might be in the minority in this, but I feel like it will definitely hinder Aaron Jones quite a bit. Quite, I agree. Quite a I bit. I agree. 
Um, I agree. N- number one, when you take Aaron Rodgers out of the fold, and I didn't watch a, a large amount of Packers games last year, yeah. but I don't know if they had eight men in the box a lot when Aaron Rodgers was behind center. I would think they didn't because that would be stupid, mm-hmm. but I don't know, you yeah. know, because if they didn't, it had more of a, a light box. Aaron Rodgers probably had lanes all over the place. Yeah. Now, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I'm sorry, Aaron Jones. Yeah. Aaron Jones probably got passing work as well, yeah. but Aaron Jones was dominating on the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he yeah. actually, Explosive. beginning of the season, he was probably one of the top running backs. Explosive. In the league. Yeah. As far as fantasy. Yeah. So, so now that you take Aaron Rodgers out of the fold, regardless of how you feel about love, love is not Aaron yeah. Rodgers. Mm-hmm. You know? And I personally, I have not been able to pull the trigger on Aaron Jones. I passed on him at... The end of the second round, you know, obviously in the third round, I'm just. You know. Is it because you feel like Rodgers might be gone, or you just don't like Aaron Jones' talent? No, no, I love Aaron Jones' talent, okay. but I understand what they're trying to do with him from an organizational standpoint. They don't want to give him a full workload. So right now, remember, let's think back to last year. There was a lot of debate on terms of where to take Aaron Jones. Remember, the talk was regression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No way he could be this efficient. Well, guess what? And, and he this, was that this efficient. Is, this is also right after they drafted A.J. Dillon in the second and round. Right after they drafted A.J. Dillon. Yeah. And then people just com- completely dismissed Jamal Williams back then. And even right. back then, I was a Jamal Williams fan. Right. And, when you, when Jamal, and, and you would see them literally split work. Jamal right. Williams got work, and he looked good doing it. Yes, he did. He's another one of my highest on players. Uh, <laughs> side note, but so now bringing it, yeah, bringing AJ Dillon, you know, uh, the AJ Dillon factor. They drafted a running back too. They drafted him late. They, Kylan Hill from Mississippi yeah. State. And you're the dynasty guy. I, for me, when I hear stuff like that, I just yeah, I just just, just yeah. put it out there. Yeah, so you, you, know, you put it out there. I just so. you know, it'll be relevant <laughs> when it's relevant. So, yeah. but for me, AJ Dillon is taking on that Jamal Williams role, if not more. Yeah, and he's a big guy. Whether or not he's going to be good on the goal line, who knows? But theoretically, you could see them using him on the goal line. Yes, you can. So I'm not saying that if Aaron Rodgers is there, that you know Aaron Jones isn't worth his current ADP. But if Aaron Rodgers is not there. I have a hard time pulling that trigger in the second round, knowing he's splitting work, knowing he has a very fresh, I call them rookie QBs in terms of just playing their first games as quarterbacks back there. To me, the offense is just not going to be as good. So, so, so his, we're both low Scott, on Aaron yeah, Jones. So his scoring TDs are not – his scoring. I think he gets a lot of value from scoring touchdowns. Okay. They're not going to be, you know, uh, as uh, – you know, the upside is not going to be as high there as well. So for me, I'm I'm out on Aaron Jones currently right now. Unless you know, if I get the you know the number one overall pick and Aaron Jones falls to me, I'll take him down. So okay, but I he falls we, to the very end of that second tier. Right. I think we agree there. Yeah. But I think we slightly disagree on Devonte Adams. Yes. So what's your take on Adams? If if Rodgers is moved if or Rogers if he just doesn't moved, show up, I want no part of Devonte Adams in the okay. second round. He's a great receiver. I get it. I've seen great receivers in bad situations. I've seen them perform. I've seen them not perform. Uh, This is a situation to me where I'm taking everything in totality, and I don't like the vibe that I'm getting from Devontae Adams. He is ride or die Aaron Jones, okay? Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers. He's ride or die Aaron Rodgers. That is his boy. Mm -hmm. You know, he gets very emotional when he talks about Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers is not there, I'm not saying Devontae Adams is not going to play as hard Okay, but there's a certain chemistry that goes there. Devontae Adams, you know, if you watch the route, the timing routes that he ran and how and his connection, his rapport, his chemistry with Aaron Rodgers, 
it was on another level. It was. The back shoulder fades. To expect a rookie quarterback to come in again, I'm calling him a rookie because this is you know he's really just now getting in to playing that quarterback position his first year. To expect him to come in and be able to develop that, right. and for me to draft him in the second round over a guy like Calvin Ridley, to expect him to have the same type of TD upside that he would have with a guy like Aaron Rodgers, right. I just don't see it. I don't. I, I don't understand it. And I right. think it's a situation where Devontae Adams, if he turns an ankle, he's going to sit out. <laughs> Remember last year, he was fighting. Right, right, right. I think he had a high right. ankle sprain. Or he, he, had, he, 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 had, you know, he had a significant injury. Right. He was fighting. He too. wanted to travel yeah. with the team, and they were like in the Green Bay organization, very conservative. Right. I think if he has like a low-grade ankle sprain, he's going to be like, look, I don't know what this is. Okay. You know, I got a contract <laughs> coming up. Okay, Let so, me chill. so you so. actually literally just alluded to it, and I was actually going to make that point. Um, this is Devontae Adams' contract year, you know? Um, typically in contract years, players produce the best, you know, they can produce because they're trying to get the next contract Mm -hmm. or the the next deal at the highest amount of money possible. Um, For me, I I kind of agree. You know, obviously, if any receiver, I don't care who you are, if you lose Aaron Rodgers, you're going from Aaron Rodgers to It's going to to reduce your value for anybody. Yeah. The only reason why I still have a little bit of hope with Devontae Adams is, okay, a few reasons. Number one, I feel like Devontae Adams is one of the best route runners in the NFL. You know, mm-hmm. he's not super fast. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not super strong. Um, you know, not any ridiculous attributes. Has. You know, yeah, slam, what they call him, Slam Boy or whatever. Don't call him Slam Boy. <laughs> <laughs> but Devontae Adams. We don't, even, we don't endorse that on the podcast. Like, when you watch Devontae Adams. You literally are wondering, like, why is he always open? Mm-hmm. Like, he's the only receiver the Packers have, yeah. and he's constantly open. Footwork is sick. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like that doesn't go away no matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't. Um, that's number one reason. or That's the first reason why I'm still kind of up on Devontae Adams. The second reason is, if the Packers are not a successful team this year, and we, we constantly allude to this. Y'all are probably getting tired of me saying yeah. this. But if the team is losing – or they're trying to keep up, what are they going to do? They're going to pass the ball. When you have Devontae Adams and a bunch of Joe, 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 Joes, who are you going to throw the ball to? You're going Amari to- Rodgers. <laughs> they, got a lot, they got a lot of... Okay. No, so, we like Amari Rodgers. We like this, Amari is, Rodgers. this is getting back to that situation where you said like negative game scripts and they're going to throw. On a competitive team where you have competitive pieces in play, I think that's a good thing. On a bad team, I don't necessarily know how much that helps you out if you have a quarterback. Right. It, it, that, it might not. It might not help. I, I feel like, okay, so last year, Devontae yeah. Adams had a lot of value because he had Rodgers. Yeah. Efficiency was great, scoring yeah. touchdowns. I think on the other end, if Rodgers is gone with, with Adams and they're not as a good of a team, I think he's going to get force-fed a whole bunch more targets. He got like 160. 50, 60 targets last year. I mean, he, because they had no other options. You know, I think that he would even be more. Now, they're going to be run remember, heavy. Remember, they weren't, they run weren't heavy losing offense. games last year. Yeah. They're going to be I'm, run I'm heavy. I'm talking offense. more so if they're losing. Yeah. Like, if they're literally every week, they're just taking L. But their defense is not that bad. I think they're going to be a run focused offense. Even if their defense is good, if you're. They offense, went into that draft thinking that. They were like, okay, Aaron Rodgers is near the end of his, you know, near the end of his career. Let's transition this offense to a run-based offense. Right. That's why they took A.J. Dillon. Right, right. They also took a cornerback in the first round. Yeah. 
this year. They took Stokes. Their defense is pretty Stokes. solid, I but, think. But, but, but what I'm saying is if their team is not as successful, yeah. they're going to have to throw the yeah. ball more. Yeah. And they don't have – I mean, they got Rodgers. Yeah. Amari Rodgers who's a rookie. Who yeah. will see what he's like. I like but, him. Yeah. But Adams is still one of the top receivers in the NFL. He's still a great route runner. They're still going to throw him the ball. I don't, I don't deny that. So the way that I'm viewing – so there's two folds to this. So there's how you should draft him right now, and there is where my projections are. And I keep saying it. We're going to get to this projection discussion. <laughs> so where would you – Okay, so okay. right now in terms of projections where I see him, he reminds me of Allen Robinson. And that's yes. a great comment. I like that. I like that a lot. Because like he's played with a lot of bad quarterbacks mm-hmm. but yeah. still produces – but it's hard for him to produce at such an elite level without an elite quarterback. Your overall wide receiver one almost always has a very elite quarterback. I got you. Right? So I see him more in that category or that tier of Allen Robinson should Aaron Rodgers not be there. Now let's get to where we should draft him. Okay. Because, again, we're still operating in dealing in a realm of unknown. Right. So right now we don't know if Aaron Rodgers is there or not. We're leaning that he's not there, but we don't know. So in the event that he actually returns, getting Devontae Adams where we were just like lock button in the first round. Last year. Last year we were yeah. lock button. Yeah. Getting him in the second round, especially late, late second, second round, is yeah. a steal. So yeah. I can't knock anybody who's, you know, who thinks that Aaron Rodgers is going to return or who wants to play against You're actually getting you know, a value at this point. Yeah, you're getting a value. Mm-hmm. You're getting so, a value at the point. If you, so that's what I, so my, my approach or my recommendations to drafting the Green Bay Packers – Skill players. One, get AJ Dillon when you can. Okay, just get him. Get him on your I, roster. I totally agree with like, that. Like get him. He is, you know, as far as like running backs that I love the draft draft from like rounds nine through eleven. AJ Dillon, Jamal Williams. Don't okay. give him everything though, man. Come on, Chino. okay. I'll stop there. Now, 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 <laughs> now, also with with that, and just to add to that, yeah. Aaron Jones hasn't been the perfect not bill of health. Yeah, career. he's not been. You know, he's he's, he's actually. He's been injured quite a bit. I think he was yeah. even injured last year. And we and we got glimpses of AJ Dillon last year. Oh yeah, yeah. Sunday night football, I believe yeah. it was. He had a, he has, when he gets to work, yeah. he did his thing. So and he's a, and he's 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 a volume back. You got to give right. him volume and and, right. and 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 he'll he'll like so to do well. So just don't forget about AJ. So yeah, Dillon. so take take AJ Dillon wherever you can right. irrespective of Aaron Rodgers' situation. Then take the value on Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams if you're doing a lot of drafts. Cuz we don't know what's going to happen. For me personally, I'm okay if I don't have Aaron Jones on my team because of how I view his situation just yeah. overall. It's going to hurt if Aaron Rodgers plays and I have zero Devontae Adams, especially when he's going in the second round, and I'm aware of that, and I, mm. I, liken, it, I liken it to me not drafting uh, Kyler Murray last year. But sometimes you got to understand that you're not going to hit on every player, right. but you don't have to. I didn't hit on Kyler last year. So, so Champ, i got a question for you. Hey, don't call me. So, <laughs> okay, my bad. Two time champ. We're in 2021. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's the past. All right, All right. two time champ. Yeah. Oh, so if, okay, where Adams and Aaron Jones are going right now, you just said if you knew Rodgers was there, you'd probably draft him higher, right? Correct. If you knew Rodgers was not there, would you draft them lower or where they are now is where you would be drafting them? I wouldn't draft. Devontae Adams until the third round. Okay. So, so, so. And I wouldn't draft Aaron Jones until. I could still probably draft him towards the back end of round two. Back end of second. Okay. Where he's going right now. Yeah. So, the reason I asked that question is because 
Would you then say that where they're being drafted right now is a a ADP of kind of um, you know limbo? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's almost like people don't really know the situation. Yeah. They're kind of hedging a little bit. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. I think in terms of you know certain players, as far as you know how high or how low their ADP is, maybe a very narrow window. But I think for you know, and you'll have to check, you know, various websites, Fantasy Mojo, et cetera, to, to, to really get the uh, lowdown on this. But I would assume players like Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones have a significant wide range as far as how high they're being drafted and how versus low how low they're being drafted. I got you. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> that okay. delta is probably pretty significant. Okay. So yeah. let's get to our last segment of the night. Man, we've been I, talking I like, a long It's been a long <laughs> time. Let's go. It's been a long pod. But I want to get to the last segment. I coined it the buy the dip segment. It is Mr. those Warren players. Buffett, Chris Warren Buffett. Oh, no, 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 no. Trust me. Like, this is a crypto <laughs> thing, and I'm not a crypto guy. I just thought that it would be a cool <laughs> segment to do. But we on the way up. <laughs> yeah, sure. Buy Bitcoin. Okay. Sure. Uh, but let's talk about those players that are sliding that you guys are still high on. So we did sleepers and fades last week. Let's talk about buy the dip players this week. I'll let you start. No, I, just, I literally just talked for like okay. 20 minutes. Oh, <laughs> um, buy the dip. Can I see the board for a second? You want to see the board? The, the, the most recent board because I, I honestly wasn't Y'all prepared work for with this us, question. Okay? Normally we would have this. Um, no, we normally wouldn't have this in advance. <laughs> so buy the dip. Um, yeah, so we're pulling up the board from. A draft that we, I did we last spoke night. Spoke on one of them already today in the FFPC. And, and when I say when, when I say this guy's a dip, I, I'm saying a dip from last year, and that's Hollywood. I, I definitely feel like he's a value. He's going way too late. Um, but because we spoke on him already, I, I don't want to stick with him. Um, I go with mine if you want to look at the board. Uh, yeah, go ahead, go with you. Okay. Let me look at the board. First. All right. So I mentioned I mentioned this guy earlier, but I think it's important to go into a little bit more depth. Jamal Williams. I think everyone obviously is aware of the news surrounding the Detroit Lions and Todd Gurley's visit. So a couple different things with this situation. One, I personally do not get the sense from my Twitter sources, which is nobody, but I don't get the (laughs) sense that Todd Gurley is signing with the Detroit Lions. He made a visit a while ago and we have not heard a signing, Mm -hmm. but let's, Take a look at Todd Gurley, the player, and his career. He's been a number one running back. Mm-hmm. He's been a first-round draft pick. He's excelled in so many areas. But we know where he is, or where we believe he is, at this current time in the career. Right. And we were aware last year. We knew that you, he was on the You were point. aware. I was still in denial. I, I, <laughs> he I, was I, preaching it I, to me like every man, day. I, I like, literally, I watched so many Rams games from 2019 <laughs> and just saw the way that he was running and just felt like he was done. And so I, I, I wanted, didn't want to believe yeah, it. Yeah, and I, I didn't. didn't want to and so it. I already felt like he had lost his explosiveness. But the one thing he always had was a knack for finding the goal line. So right. I felt like that's where his value was going to be with, with Atlanta. But I felt like he was losing his explosiveness. He lost his burst. He lost a lot of agility. And, and we saw that last year. So as far as if he were to sign with the Detroit Lions, if we were to rank those backs right now, again, I know what coaches think versus what we think is very different. But it's Swift, Jamal Williams, and Todd Gurley, a distant third in my mind. Okay. So I'm not saying that – 
from a standpoint of, okay, he signs and he's a third running back. We don't have to worry about him. Because if he does sign, we do have to be concerned with that. Because I think he wants to go to a situation where he will get some significant run. I think he understands that he's likely a committee back right now. Mm -hmm. But I cannot see Todd Gurley coming into a situation accepting the role as a third down back or as a sole goal line back. He, he, he might be a mentor. You know, he went to Georgia with, with Swift, so they might have that type of potentially, mentor, potentially, mentor but relationship. He's, he's in that gray zone where he probably showed just enough. He's just young enough. To where he can probably get a gig Who, on another Gurley? team. Yeah. He's, he's still, I think, like 26, 27. Yeah. He's still pretty so, young. So he, he, they, he may be able to find... So I just don't see a fit with the Detroit Lions, okay? okay? So, and again, to me, if, if he would have gone to visit, we likely would have heard about a signing by now. It's very odd Yeah, it's been for about me. a week or two. Yeah, it's very odd for me not to have heard some rumblings of so, him. So, so your body did play is Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams, okay. because I... Because, again... Look at the, you know, they're bringing in Anthony Lynn, and we've already heard all the coach speak. Ignore it if you want. And I still like DeAndre Swift. I think there's room for both. This mm-hmm. is a great O-line. This is a team that wants to run. I know they passed a lot, you know, with the Chargers last year, but this is a team that wants to run. But Jamal Williams is good. He is not a jag. No. He is very good. He is very explosive. Ja- and he has that he, – he, he's a player that plays with that chip on his shoulder. Jamal Williams – People forget this, but Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones were drafted in the same draft. Exactly. And Jamal Williams was drafted before. Exactly. Jones, so exactly. People forget that. So if you ever watched Jamal Williams play last year, it was one of the most funniest things in the world. Because Aaron Jones would rip off a 15, 20 yard run. Or Aaron Jones may have a bad run. But as soon as he got in the game, you know what Jamal Williams was thinking? I got to outperform Aaron Jones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need to show them that I'm. That. So he plays with a ship on his shoulder. Yeah. So he's not a jag. And. I think he's very good in the passing game. Yes, he is. He's very good in the passing game. So he, yeah. he's a good runner. He has a knack for the goal line. You know, he doesn't have breakaway speed, but he has explosion. He can get right. you that 15 to 20 yards. Yeah. And we already know that they're likely going to be in a RBBC. So, again, I like to kind of put this in context. I don't care how you're drafting. Try to get Jamal Williams yeah. on your team. Unless you're in a league with me. He, don't, he's also don't a good about pass blocker, yeah. too. And that's very huge. Very... That's huge. Okay, so I got my guy now. And I was just kind of looking at the board. And I, I, I kind of saw a few guys I want to mention, but I'm just I'm not going to throw Just give us one. Just give us one. I'm going to give y'all one. As far as somebody um, buying it. And I don't even know. I don't want to call it a dip because I don't feel like he was high and now he's lower. I feel like it's somebody that's just a little bit lower than where he should be at the moment. And my guy is actually Russell Gage. And that, that kind of brings it full circle from where we started the podcast with, with the Julio trade. Um, but, again, I mentioned it before, I'm a, I'm a dynasty guy. Last year, uh, you know, when Julio was dealing with those injury issues, the guy that actually ended up benefiting the most, you could say Ridley. You know, Ridley's always been, you know, talented, doing his thing. But the guy that actually emerged was actually Russell Gage. Um, and before he emerged, I literally had no idea who this guy was. I knew about uh, Christian Blake, who's a receiver for the Falcons. I knew about Olamide Zacchaeus, another receiver for the Falcons. Had no idea who Russell Gage was. But for some reason, the Falcons, they felt like he's the guy that needed to get a lot of the work. And he was actually producing a fair amount. He was actually being targeted. I want to say double-digit targets in certain games. Um, he had 70 receptions, I think, last year. Right, right. And this is with Julio on yeah. the team. Um, now that Julio's gone... 
you know, Calvin really is still going to be, you know, the main receiver there, but somebody has to replace Julio. Some people might say it's Pitts, which they probably are going to run a lot more 12 personnel with, with two tight ends. Um, but they are still going to utilize a second wide receiver. And Russell Gage right now is, is going in the double-digit rounds for a team that, that in the past has been very pass-heavy um, with their quarterback. Um, I, I definitely feel like Russell Gage is somebody that will return a lot more value than where he's being picked at the moment. Um, and, and he's talented. Now, we might not know him too well at the moment, um, but that's kind of where the edge comes, you know. I'll play devil's advocate. Okay. Because I think he is going late. So, there's, you know, when players are being drafted that late, it's, you know, it's hard to say that that's a bad pick. But playing devil's advocate, using your own argument against you, new OC. Yes. They drafted Kyle Pitts. Yes. We talked about them maybe wanting to, wanting to run more 12 I, I personnel. I do believe they're going to run more, yeah. And usually when you are maybe wanting to run more 12 personnel or – wanting to be one more run focus, usually you want bigger outside wide receivers to help in a blocking game. Maybe. So Maybe. Gage, I think, excelled more as a slot receiver. So if we see them go more to 12 personnel – Maybe we see someone like a Zacchaeus or some unknown, or maybe we see just Kyle Pitts. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus himself is not too big of a receiver, so I don't know yeah. if he'll be the guy. Maybe Christian Blake. Yeah. Maybe, but honestly, all three yeah. of those guys are not big guys. Yeah, you know, they're, they're all kind of slender. Yeah. you know, speedy, you yeah. know, track type guys. Um, and I think I've actually heard the team already talk about the fact that they do like what Gage brings. To the table, he 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 already has the rapport with Mike with Matt Ryan, mm-hmm. so that's already there that yeah. connection. Um, and again, he's just a late pick. Yeah. I do feel like Pitts is gonna do his yeah. thing. Uh, really, is gonna do his thing. I'm not sure how I feel about Hurst yet. Yeah. Hurst yet. They traded a second round pick for him, yeah. so obviously they valued him. Now he didn't because at the time last year we felt like he was gonna basically replace Austin Hooper's production, and yeah. he kind of disappointed a fair amount. Um, but again, I, I just can't ignore how well Gage did yeah. last year. And I'm not saying he's going to dominate. He's going to be one of the top 30 wide receivers. Yeah. But where he's picked now, he's picked like somebody that's almost an afterthought. Yeah. Hmm. And I feel like now he has this opportunity ahead of him that can really surprise a lot of people and that can kind of give you the edge because a lot of people don't even really know who he is. So that, that would be my, my buy-the-dip player. Yeah. All right, guys, we've gone way over this episode. This is the First and 15 (laughs) Podcast, episode three. We've enjoyed it this week. We'll see you next week. I said, God, give me a warning. Please take me for the morning so I leave more disappointments than I ever will appointments. Give a fuck.